0: This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling.
0: To the highway in a brand new day. The gotta let it go. So Fast to free down. you
2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for December 20th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter, X at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you set up a one-time or reoccurring donation no obligation whatsoever but we would like to thank all of our previous donors it is one of your hosts it's your old pal mike spears joined alongside your other host case low case how are you doing as we are now four days out of final gate and five days away from christmas the end of 2023 is really upon us here buddy how are you
1: oh mike it's the most wonderful time of the year i am doing okay you know what you know what wrestling i've been watching a lot of recently
2: ah oh, jeez. Uh, uh hey do you want to give me any direction or do you just want me to take a shot in the dark no you know my viewing habits give it a shot i am guessing that you got something from toreo from the 70s <laughs> no that
1: would be on brand in fact what i am watching a lot of lately is old episodes of impact wrestling Um, I'm, I have YouTube TV and I I share the account with somebody who texted me and said, Hey, I really want this premium tennis channel. Can we please upgrade to the like sports extreme package that they have? That is this tennis channel and being sports and being sports Espanol and being sports plus. And it gives me the fight network and the impact wrestling channel. And I gotta say, I really enjoy the Impact Wrestling channel. At all hours of the day, there's random TNA on my TV. And it's a lot of fun to just catch five minutes of a 2007 episode of
2: Impact here and there. Dude, it is something where, other than, like, I, I basically watch three things nowadays. Actually, four. they they're, they're the, I still watch some Prestige TV case. Like, you can't get me away from Max. I have a lot of thoughts about the, uh, the the finale of gilded age but it's really sports trash tv and wrestling but outside of that i found more enjoyment out of because i know like the impact channel is one of those fast channels the uh, free ad supported streaming things like that that go through all throughout the the places but do you know which one is my absolute favorite one of those and i, and I just found it on like my tv my tv randomly has this station What is it, it? is nonstop 1986 to about 1992 episodes of supermarket sweep oh really yeah yeah and, and one of my tvs whenever i turn on the tv if i don't immediately change the input or i like pull up netflix or youtube tv or what have you it will revert to this and i'm like saying like david ruprecht and like the world's most acrylic sweater ever and it's fantastic it, i, it I makes enjoy that i i enjoy that but it, it, it's something where, like, I've had to I- interact with a lot of these like random sports stations because I've been trying to figure out, case like, sorry, international uh, listeners, I've I've come across the point of the year where I'm trying to figure out how I'm watching my baseball team next year. Case okay? so I have a spreadsheet about this, and one of the ones was getting like one of these foot one of these like higher level sports channels streaming services, Fubo, which has BN Sports one through seven, and I'd be paying fifty dollars a a month for that. The i there's seven fubu channels dude the, the amount of just like extraneous like super high level like sporting channels that just are so like focused in on to like one thing like i know willow is the cricket station and like those kind of things this one had all of them all the and ones i didn't know existed but it's 50 dollars a month and i was like at that point i might as well as like seriously like look at my finances and just try to go to more games
1: let me ask you a question that is actually going to relate to this even though it's going to sound odd to you have we talked about the show entourage on this
2: show i i feel like we have like a common recurrent kind of thing where like entourage is not something we've talked about case but like there's a lot of moments that i feel like with our interests and things like this the uh doug ellen show on HBO in the 2000s Entourage feels like it's a common touch point if we haven't okay. gone into I, it Okay, because I can't
1: remember because I watched Entourage for the first time this year. So I'll make this quick just in case I've said it. But if you've never seen Entourage or if you haven't watched it since it aired and you have an interest in media and the way that Mike and I do, rewatching Entourage is really interesting because, I mean, you go through this with your shoot job. I go through this with my shoot job. And I think we're pretty tuned into this more so than the average person of just like the bleak state of media markets and how it's just not a super fun time of existence. Oh, it's if awful. You, if it's you go a, it, it's back, the worst. It's, it's it's, And I don't see it getting better, which is unfortunate. It, but if you go back and watch Entourage, it's all like, oh, this is what a budget looks like. This is what happens when major media companies aren't ran by total idiots. Maybe idiots, but not total idiots. It, it all... It's just such a simple universe that the Entourage Fellows exist in. And yeah. it's, it's one that I never worked in, but it is one that I obviously experienced to some degree. And I miss it. In the same way, I was just texting with somebody last night about how I'm ready for like a BuzzFeed Rise and Fall documentary or maybe like a, a six-part docuseries just on the 2010s internet. I'm ready to revisit that stuff. And just watch it and go, oh man, it used to be so easy.
2: Well, well Case, I entered that part of the industry and the tail eight days of that age. Like, I actually got to like a little bit of, like, like, when USA announced that they were going back to the blue sky dramas, I was a beneficiary of one of those blue sky dramas for a, a good part of my young adult life, just because of where they would shoot things and things like this. But that whole era just, does not exist anymore and it's one of those things that you know well, actually what i watched yesterday and it, it is one of those interviews that it's on youtube and you're going to hear a youtube interview you're going to go like oh god but if you think of things like the way that i do in case i know you kind of do the same way case how do you feel about pablo torre unfamiliar well former espn talking head uh now with Melark media with dan levitard he did this one-hour conversation with John Skipper, the former head of oh, ESPN, yeah, yeah. now head of Metalark, and David Sampson, the former uh, president of the Florida Marlins, and it was all about the 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 uh, lost promise of basic cable, and it was fascinating about like how bundling, and it was all under the thing about sports and like U.S. sports and like how that has basically crept into every part of media and culture throughout the world, just the idea of sports rights fees and how we had it all made basically in the year 2000 and we're never getting back to that.
1: Oh, God, that is that is bummer. I like I like Skipper. I think he's an interesting guy. I will check
2: that out. It, it, it's a good interview. I'm not a huge David Samson fan. I like David Sampson a lot more now that I don't live in Miami and have to deal with him and his stepfather ruining a baseball team.
1: yeah i don't know it never it never looks better like i don't know i find it funny as somebody that works in terrestrial radio and works in a big market and works on a relatively successful station like there's a lot of cool things that happen within that industry or at least within my job that i don't know people have such blockers up on the idea of what radio is I've never, I've never seen a medium where people are just rooting for this thing that is still used and still popular and still has cash flow to it. Just the, the urgency in, in which some people wish for this medium to die is amazing because like, you know, Spotify does mass layoffs and you don't see any articles about like, well, I guess we're done streaming forever. You know, the podcast industry has had this horrible year. There was this great vulture article on it today and there's no talk about like well i guess that podcasting fat is over but if a local radio market cuts five jobs which is obviously unfortunate it's just well i told you radio's dead nobody listens to this thing anymore it's like well hold on just a second I, it's maybe let's maybe pump the brakes i don't know if that relates to entourage with the general media market but it's something i notice a lot and i've been thinking about a lot lately because i didn't hear oh, a yeah. fucking, i didn't hear a fucking peep when spotify cut all those jobs about how streaming is is passé and past its prime, and that we're all going to have to change our listing habits again. Not a peep.
2: Yeah, and not the fact that all of this is was done that a lot of like the market destruction that was caused by corporations like oh, Spotify. God, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. that's the wild thing about that, right? Like everyone ignores about the steps that led to Spotify actually happening.
1: It's one of like Spotify's funny. I just can't believe they got away with it, you know?
2: Right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's just like crazy. That, like the whole <laughs> thing is just like, wait, they 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 were allowed to do this? Oh, okay.
2: I I, I mean, like we're at a point where, case okay, so I'm not going to like talk about your employers or something, but like it, it is more likely than not that Spotify is going to merge with one of the two or three large mass media outlets in the war in the United States radio outlets over the next five years, more so than anything else. Like, no, like, like, and, and
1: luckily, I don't think it's going to be mine because I don't. I don't know if my specific employer, who are run by lovely people, of course, are. I don't know if we're big enough because I'm not iHeart, and iHeart's the most likely of the the bunch. But then also, Odyssey is in great financial trouble, and they're number two behind iHeart. And I could see that. I could see that pairing making sense, but I. I think where I work, I think I'm safe for the time being because I know people that have worked at independent audio companies that have been bought by spotify and it's like an awesome six months they're like hell yeah we've got spotify money coming in they're sending us spotify beanies and then they get laid off Spotify's like oh sorry we can't afford you and that's just yeah. this, this vicious cycle of spotify employment it, it,
2: it, and the only people who made the money were the people who actually sold to spotify and they yes it. yeah yeah yeah. It, it's bill simmons making the money here folks not anyone else uh dragon and, get- and, and,
1: and look and and i I unabashedly listen to Bill Simmons three times a week. I listen to Ryan Rossello three times a week. Good on ringer people for getting their money. I just wish that money was spread around a little bit more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that's the way it kind of is at the end of the day. And I kind of feel that way about metal which is something I really enjoy. And I kind of see the writing on the wall there. Then I'm like, get that money from DraftKings as you can and spread it around a bit while you can. So, yeah. Yeah, but we are not here to talk about the depressing state of the sports media industry case. We're here to talk about Dragon Gate as we are most weeks as we, this is going to be a fun kind of episode. We, we're getting close to the holidays. This is going to be our last episode before Christmas. Uh, We have not necessarily figured out when we will be back with you all next week, but we have a real fun uh, episode today. We're going to talk about... The uh, Korkwin Hall show from yesterday, the uh, 19th, we will talk about that. In terms of the upcoming, the final gate show from the Fukuoka International Center on Christmas Eve, and that's not all case, it's not just a big week on one side of the dragon system. It's the biggest show since Glate Mega, as Glate returns to Tokyo Dome City Hall for Glate version 7. We will be previewing that one as we close out the show this week a lot of stuff it's kind of like a holiday uh buffet this week
1: honestly that sounds like a threat when you say it's the biggest glade show
2: since blank <laughs> uh, it's just i'm like oh god <laughs> i guess you're right I, I, as like the person who like I, I i how did i end up kind of being in this position about glade like i was the one person who was most anti-glade i when it found and i'm i would say probably of the two of us i'm probably the one who has more of a positive feeling about the company at this point? Like, how did this happen?
1: I don't look, I'm going to put over some some great stuff. I caught up. I, I watched some stuff I like. I you know, but no, you're right. You were the guy that like wouldn't touch it for the longest time. And now, you know, I I, I, I can sense a tone. I can see you want to dip a foot in the water.
2: I, I mean, there is something about Jan's family that just reaches That's, out <laughs> and grabs me. They, he know. does not grab me. I, yeah. I brush past them, to say the least. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about something that's not necessarily grabbing everything. Uh, biggest story in the Dragon System as we are staring down the final gate on the 24th This open the Dream Gate three-way match. Madoka Kakuda making his defense against both Luis Monte and Shun Skywalker. I kind of feel like that we came out of yesterday's show kind of spinning our wheels a little bit in a way. Like, did you feel like we took any sort of step about this, where are you feeling about the main event of Final Gate and the Dream Gate picture?
1: I didn't love this Corkin show. My review, my written review, is up at voicesofwrestling.com dot com. You reviewed the first Corkin show of December, a very good show. I got stuck with the the mediocre Corkin show to close out the year. Yeah, I I would say that's fair. I don't know if it accomplished anything. I think you have to be reasonable and put an asterisk next to it with no Hyo and no Yuki Yoshioka. The last two matches on the show were very clearly designed in theory when those two guys were healthy to build towards their final gate matches. And Yoshioka got pulled off the show due to an eye injury. He is out for the foreseeable future. Hyo was pulled from the show due to illness. He missed this Korkin show and then the Yokohama Kai and strong machine J homecoming show on the 20th. And as of now, as of recording on the 20th is scheduled to be at final gate. So, you know, you give it an asterisk. It, it wasn't a bad show. You know, there, there's one match that I, I think a lot of people hated. I certainly didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a bad show, but it was a, their show. And I think Gate has been good over the last quarter. Uh, after we talked about how September and in part of October was kind of boring, like Gate's never really boring, but They got a little boring. You know, the last half of October and November were uh, it was a really exciting time for this promotion here. This kind of went back to like, oh, okay, that show happened. Uh, I don't know if I would call anything essential, but there was some good stuff on there. And and I guess, you know, we'll move on. It, It didn't exactly make me more excited for Final Gate, and I'm already not super excited for Final Gate.
2: Yeah, it was something that right before we hit record, I kind of was saying like, well, we kind of ended up with one good uh, Korokin show, if you combined the two in a way, and this one felt like it had a little bit less to it, and especially like almost like to a point, because I felt like I was re watching the Korokin earlier this month with how that the end of the show ended, with the exception of the uh, Jackie Funky Kame, uh intrusion and interjection in the main event picture. Uh, it just kind of felt like the exact same thing that was happening at, right after Sapporo with especially Luis Monte shouting out Ichiban and Madoka Kakuda having to steal microphones so everyone could finally cut cut the uh, go-home promo and get everyone out of the building. And Ye- I just don't see how this helps out anyone. No, I mean, you look at the the
1: cards with one another, you know, the show on the 5th, it's like, okay, you have a daiki yanagi showcase match. You have Yamadoi versus D-Courage. You have a match that puts over Ben and Minora. And then you have whatever you're doing with Kamei. And that's, you know, that was true on this show on the 19th as well. It was really the same thing. And then you're right. We have to watch Luis Monte cut a promo. And I will directly steal the talking point that Alan Forel made in the Voice of Wrestling Discord. It's not that Monte is not a good promo because of the language barrier. For as natural as his instincts are as a wrestler, when it comes to basing for smaller guys, when to bring things up, when to take things down. It is the opposite for him as a promo. This is a guy who should never be allowed to touch a microphone again. He is the most unnatural promo from the way he holds the microphone to the way that he stands to his overall delivery. It is awful to watch.
2: It's something where I just kind of want to go back to how things were on July 2nd case. Like, they they kind of found a way a little bit because of Ultimo freelancing it, that looked into a way that it, it, is it just me like wanting to think positive about how things were in respect to how bad the promos have been that like what was going on with Ultimo freelancing and kind of translating in the ring came off better and he, and I feel like it came off more representative of Monte in a way that. Well, with this now and it's not like anything that i think is a language barrier like Alan's saying it's just something that it's not natural and it just comes off like so forced in a way
1: yeah like i i'm trying to i don't know if this is an apt comparison or not but like i don't think you or i would go man ricochet was a great promo but ricochet's broken english promos in front of Drag-Eat audiences accomplish something you know they, they they weren't great but they also weren't bad and these monte promos it, it makes him less cool which is a problem because he's naturally charismatic and he's naturally cool and the big hug thing is working i mean they had 1300 people in Corkin for this show there's there's a lot of momentum with him and then every time he talks it makes me like him just a little bit less
2: and it was something where i think you're hurt with the lack of heo because Hio, oh absolutely you,
1: oh my god yes
2: i i would say that Hio is a strong enough promo to be able to do the promo for monte or to help out and to have a little bit more of the 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 give and take it's not we're not going to expect a Yoshi comedy like five minutes of them just kind of ripping on each other here but you would think that with with you with around like compare and contrast like let's look at how things were at the beginning of the month with Hio around things were a lot easier to kind of get through
1: yeah i i really wonder as mate continues to to develop in this act and i think we would all assume that he has at least you know, i mean obviously has a Dreamgate challenge this week but sooner or later he could be the open the dream gate champion I'm really curious to see what they do with show closing promos because it seems like the type of thing where Hyo should do all the talking, and then ideally Monte has a better catchphrase than Ichiban, and he can close out the shows with that. You know, almost like a Johnny Gargano-esque, did you enjoy the show? But I don't I don't know what they're gonna do. And it, it, you know, bad job out of me as an analyst. It's not really an obstacle that I thought of, but I also just having watched Diamante be really, really cool for three or so years, I never would have imagined that his off-language promos would be this much of a hindrance. I-, I did not see this obstacle coming, and thus I never really thought about it until now.
2: And if we want to kind of compare and contrast, like you brought up Ricochet in that, like, maybe it was something where with Ricochet, you already you had Yoshino there basically getting him across the line, you had Tozawa, you had the others there, and they were able to do that like i think also about like pack never had to cut a single i don't think pack cut a single promo in ring his entire time in his return
1: no that's what i, it's, I was just about to ask you that yeah, was i don't i, was, I know did he didn't do all the in-ring
2: talking i just like think that if my memory serves me right like almost all of the promo work that you would have had to have for pack happened on social media and Aito would, would cut the end ring stuff. Like, I don't ever remember R.E.D. ending with a Pac promo. No, he, he, would have, he would have
1: talked after his return. But that, you know, that's it, it was it, Pac handled that on his own. That was fine. And yeah. then I'm trying to think of like, OK, it would have been on the November cork. I think he was uh, he did the the Yoshino match in December. But I don't remember if he talked after the Yoshino match and then wouldn't have been around for the, the latter half of that because that was the year that Drake had an ATA headline final gate. He was off that that last week of December. Mm-hmm. And then I think he would have come back in February maybe for like a 12-man main event, and then there was the Shun stuff. And with he and Shun, it's not like there were a lot of well, talking it. Well, there was
2: the, the, there was the KZ stuff first.
1: Ah, that's right. Okay, so he w- okay. But still, I don't think I yeah, don't think it was promo he heavy. I, you know, if anything, KZ would have cut the promos for that. This was before Shun was a great talker. I don't know if they ever got a promo against one another it, before it, that and match.
2: And and Pac made the Dead or Alive match on Twitter. He said, I want to have Dragon Kid if you want me there. Like that was how that match was made. Yeah, it's a good match.
1: I, I like I like that, that Falcon arrow from the top rope gift surfaces every once in a while. It's just always it's like, ah, that was that was good stuff. I enjoyed that.
2: But the, the the thing that it kind of gets us to this point of they haven't figured out how to present Luis Monte in a way and enable Monte in a way that is best, like, putting the best foot forward in this big face bush. And it is something where, I don't know. It, it's having Kyo there helped out a lot, and then having Ultimo there. And this is, like, it, to to be clear, this is not, like, anything about, like, being able to speak japanese or not like just to be apparently clear like that's not what we're talking about it's just like when all he's doing is shouting out ichiban like in a show closed promo it's not getting to anything nothing nothing happened in the dreamgate picture across the last two weeks because of this
1: yeah and again that's why you have to look at this show with an asterisk and go okay well you know kai and shun versus Monte and Hyo, that feels like a really hot match on paper. That makes sense given the direction of the company for the last month. All of a sudden, Hyo's out, Kakuta's in. It's a weird dynamic with Monte and Kakuta. I would love to know if the Kame stuff was planned with or without Hyo. I I, I, w- I don't have a feeling on that one way or another. I'm kind of struggling with the Kamei big hug stuff, which we can talk about in just a second. But again, you know, the Monte-Hyo thing, the big hug thing, that's a they're being presented as a tandem even with the monte singles push not having hyo there it it goes okay it makes me go okay well maybe this isn't exactly what they drew up they did the best they could with the situation that they had but it needs to dramatically improve when Hyo's back in the picture
2: and it's something though that i think you look at your last show in tokyo for the year and That is something that matters. And I think that even though hard hand dealt and made the best of it in all the ways they could, I don't think you could like walk away from that cork. And with the idea that they they like having the big either happy moment or the big promo or the big turn or the big event to close out the year in Tokyo. I no matter what happened, it just nothing came across that way.
1: It is odd to me. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody obvious. I guess maybe this is the decourage role. But like you think about the history of Dragon Gate, and you had the ability for a long time, no matter what the finish of the show was, Shima could cut out, could come out and cut a promo, and everything would be okay. Or Yamato could come out and cut a promo, and everything would be okay. Or Yoshino could do that as well. I guess that's the decourage role. But it, it you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you disagree it feels like the importance of the show closing promo is not what it once was
2: it it, it's something where that was the big uh and great thing that i always would point out is that at least in that era of dragon gate like there was an expectation to have a certain level of mic work and a lot of that was towards the 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 two big in-ring segments on each show is the show open and the show close, and it's making sure you can have a very kind of a nice way for everyone to go home with a smile on their face and i it's not that i think there's like a a differing like a lack of those kind of segments anymore i think they've kind of transformed it more into stuff where you would have like the big hug reunion doing that at least at the bigger shows like I, i i can't attest to the Loop shows and everything like this, like how much like the, an emphasis is on like, hey guys, thanks for coming out when we came to your town on this time. Hope you all came out. Come back again. I can't attest to that, but it does kind of feel like that they've moved away in some fashions. If it's being more angle reliant, but I do think that the uh, that the go home promo isn't as emphasized as you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, you remember this, but maybe for newer fans, they don't realize. You know, when T Hawk and Ato were coming up. This was like a whole thing because they weren't good promos. And so not only were they not good promos, which made people have reservations about their future, but then they would get called out in promos for not being good promos and then they wouldn't stick up for themselves. So it was like this triple jeopardy, just bad on bad on bad. And that felt like a real thing for a while where it was like, well, you know, they're good, but they're only going to get so far because they don't have the the promo skills that Shima, Yoshino, Yamato, Doi, etc. have.
2: Mochizuki. Mochizuki's yeah. favorite thing to do was uh, if someone was, like, cutting a bad promo, going in and, like, riffing on them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, I it mean, was very... Shima,
1: Shima was brutal. You know, you go back and read those I DG translations. I mean, he'd be in the same unit as these guys, just cutting them off at the knees completely.
2: Just begging T-Hawk to give a shit.
1: Ah, I, I watched T-Hawk give a shit in December of 2023. More on that later. I was yeah, absolutely, yeah. I was absolutely delighted to see it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it is something though, that I wonder with how deep is and necessarily like not, not necessarily kind of viewing Kakuta as that kind of promo right now. Daya can hold up his end of the bargain, but y- you really don't have that as much. I feel like, and maybe that is something that we should just grow to just, Dis, not disregard, but it put less emphasis when we're evaluating people, I guess. Like, Dragon Gate used to be a promotion that was so heavily devoted to promos and such. Maybe we are moving to a post-promo promotion slowly.
1: Well, I, I still think it, it's it's a great emphasis to the promotion. You know, I, I think there is a ceiling if you can't talk at all, and I think we're witnessing that with Monte right now. You know, we're we're going to see, because it's not like he's not over, and it's not like he's not a good wrestler. His promo ability, or lack thereof, is really going to determine how far he's able to get at the top of this promotion. And I still think, you know, if anybody on this roster left and went to All Japan, Noah, or New Japan, or DDT, I think those are the ones I'd feel comfortable saying this for, there would be talk of like, oh, they're such a good promo, because that's the thing. Like, you and I don't think of Shingo as this amazing talker, you know, it was never something that there are whispers of like, God, that Shingo can cut a Gate promo, but he went to New Japan. And if you listen to Hiroshi Tanahashi talk about him, he goes, Shingo was such a great promo because he was in Gate all those years. And I still think that's true. I just think there's perhaps a lesser emphasis and uh, not as brutal of a ceiling on the guys that can't cut great promos.
2: Yeah, I and I think that we're going to probably see within the next three to five years like we'll, we'll know long enough and w- in case we'll probably go back and we'll have someone say like hey do you remember that thing you said in 2023 about where promos were going and i i, I don't think that it's necessarily something where let's just because we brought him up a little bit ago 2017 t-hawk if if we were in 2017 and this was t-hawk doing these things we would kind of be walking away for hands in there going like that's it this guy like all right, he's fallen flat again because he was. But I would say that over the six years, we're kind of seeing now more of a forgiveness that is happening. And if that is a a bit of moving past the promos or like not having the people around that are willing to cut you off at your knees, it does seem that there is kind of a little bit more of a forgiveness now.
1: Well, what have we heard from everybody that we've talked to both publicly and privately about the regime change? Because when I talk to... Uh, people that have been in Dragon Gate in yeah. both eras, whether they're native wrestlers or, or foreign wrestlers that come over. When I talk to people that have experienced both, the f- the only thing I want to know is, hey, what changed after twenty eighteen? It's my first question. I ask it a lot, and the common thread is, well, the mental health of the company is better. You know, it, right. right now, you know, guys are fighting for each other instead of you know fighting against each other, and it's it's made it's made the company as a whole the backstage scene much healthier
2: right what's the one word you'd always hear because i imagine it's the exact same word that i always hear in this family yes it you would never hear that like six years ago you'd never hear that kind of thing talked about and it does No, it was was a
1: machine it was an effective machine but i i don't think it had the, the family aspect that it has now
2: right yeah and i think that that does kind of maybe a little bit extends out to the crowd and a little bit of a forgiveness right for because like i i j- just would think like repeating the same promo would be such like a turn off to like a f- fan base and especially one that like see has opportunity to see more high level pro wrestling than anywhere else in the world like it, it you're repeating yourself twice in two weeks and it does not seem like it's such a thing for us but we are uh four days out of final gate uh Still, it does look like this might be a... I know Jay on commentary was talking about if this is going to be a one-fall or a two-fall three-way match here where Kakuta basically... Is Kakuta going to have to get Penn to drop the title? Seems like it's a little bit in open air here, but where are you feeling uh, going into this weekend?
1: I'm not super into it. You know, I was a defender of the match when it was announced, and I still think they're doing Kakuta a favor, by booking this match. He he's the guy that it, that his reputation is saved by having this be a three-way because the alternative is, you know, shun versus Monte feels like the hottest thing in the company. And if they book a singles match between those two, it's going to feel like a bigger deal than Kakuto versus anybody else, or they'd have to throw away another big 5 show with Monte and shun and just do, you know, an eight-man tag or whatever and then it would be like oh well that's a shame they're only doing that on the pay-per-view and then they would have Kakuta versus whoever. So I think it's okay for Kakuta. I don't have a feel for the finish. You know, I I feel like Kakuta's going to retain, but I am in favor of Shun winning the belt. To me again, the worst option is Monte winning. I would strongly disagree with that. I would think that would be a huge mistake, but as I've talked about for the last few months, you know, in this era of the promotion, the booking pattern that we continually see is that they now have this affinity for being cutesy with the Dreamgate belt. They, they don't book it to me like a serious title in the way that it should be booked. They like uh, throwing it into these gauntlets for lack of a better term, even if they're not specifically gauntlet matches, but there's just, there's always some hubbubaloo, with the Dreamgate belt, it's never as simple as I want it to be. I like all of that Hubba elsewhere in the promotion. I like the Dreamgate stuff to be simple. That has not been the case over the last few years. And I have this horrible gut feeling that Monte is going to win this belt in front of a cold Fukuoka crowd, cold verbally and cold literally. That building is infamously very cold. And it's going to be a waste. You, know, you only get that first title win once, and it should not be here. It should not be in a three-way match.
2: Yeah, and I really think that yet yeah, monte winning is it, it can't happen here it's the that is really like not putting your best foot forward on a towards a guy that you have been basically for three years preparing for this role and now you're just going to have him win it in a three-way in a cold building in front of a cold crowd and when you're not really hitting on all cylinders in the elevation. Like it, it, it's something where I keep on coming back to this and I still have yet to see anything to dissuade me case. I think that the clear thing here is if they're able to pull it off and I just, with the last two weeks booking, I'm not certain that they are able to of how cute they get with this belt. I still think that we are looking at something where Shun gets the belt and then we go to a full one-on-one chase for Monte and then we later down the road get that happening in a better building hopefully in front of a more uh a more receptive crowd and also perhaps one that a storyline that de- feels a little bit more uh devoted to him like how things were devoted to him basically up until the last two weeks.
1: And I think that's probably the right move, you know, if Kakuta retains like we talked about last week because you got to remember they've got Gate of Bayside at the end of January. It's the first time they're running that show. It's in Yokohama Budokan, so bigger building. That's the name of the building, right? Yes. Is Yeah, Yokohama build, uh, Budokan. So it's a bigger building. You got to put a Dreamgate match there. You could do Kakuta versus Kai because it's Kai's hometown, and I don't think anybody would blink. I think that's probably the odds-on favorite match that they're going to do, and I would be okay with that. It would be fine. I wouldn't love it, but it would be fine. But It would be understandable. The- yeah, I- exactly. You know... It doesn't excite me a ton, but I also, I get it. It would be good. Kai's a very good singles match wrestler, as I've talked about numerous times. The number one way to expose yourself for being out of the loop or out of touch is is slamming Kai for no reason, because he's turned into not only a contracted Dragon Gate wrestler, but a very good Dragon Gate wrestler. But if I had the pencil, I'm going, okay, well, there's clearly something here with Shun and Kamei. Kamei pins Skywalker in the cork and main event let's put the belt back on shun and let's do shun skywalker versus jackie funky Kame in your main event of gate of bayside
2: let's talk about big match jack here K. it's like i feel like that this is a good time to, to kind of jump off our list here jack Kame uh gets elevated gets the cork and rocket this month uh has a a count out lost to Ishin, where basically shun skywalker was was sandbagging him on the outside pulling him out there he is and real real quick
1: what what do you think what do you think about that because that was a three minute deal kamei versus ishan ends in a count out i loved it okay all right
2: but but i also knew that kamei was going to be put in the main event so if i was watching live and unspoiled i might not have been feeling super happy for 30 minutes but i would in the back of my mind thinking about like that's one thing that if you're in this building in dragon gate One thing that they have shown continually over the last decade is, hey, we will make you in a night in Cork and Hall. And boy, did they go back to that. Well, someone who was already made in my mind in Jack Kame.
1: Yeah, I I like that Asian stuff. I know not everybody has a super high tolerance for it, but one, it was a short match, which I think helps. I don't want to see I don't want to see a count out like that 17 minutes into a match. It was three minutes in the
2: main event. This was match three. That this yes. was in the singles match slot.
1: And I just thought it was super well done. I just liked the entire thing. I, I really liked the presentation of that sort of hybrid match angle deal. So, uh, yes, then he showed up in the main event, and from there you can take it.
2: It was something that, as probably the uh, the, the the person leading the charge on Takedo Kame's career so far, I just like seeing how the way that it's like, oh, he's jumping in there. And they played up on, uh, at least Jay did on commentary. He had Jason come in uh, as Ho-Ho is on tour right now. I believe he'll be back towards the end of, J- of January. But Jason came in asking him after match three, like, oh, how is uh, how is Jack? It seemed like he was really pissed there. It's like, oh, he stormed off. And then he storms back in. There was a little bit of... uh. It, it, a little bit of messiness getting into the match, but the match itself, what is more fun than seeing someone in Jackie Funky Kameh who has basically been thrown around by these two guys in Shun and Luis Monte for the last 24 months in some fashions or another, suddenly now become a living weapon because of Luis Monte It's familiar. The, it was so smart. I loved it so much.
1: Yeah, I, I loved it. I I loved The whole impromptu main event thing, I'm a sucker for that. I just, I can't believe more promotions don't do this sort of stuff where one main event blows up and they do another main event right on top of it. It just works for me every time I buy into the concept, I get more into the main event because I was not feeling, and no fault of Dragon Gate, but with Hyo out, I was not feeling Monte and Kakuta. I just felt like it was going to get awkward fast, and I didn't think they were going to have chemistry. So they do the DQ finish with Skywalker attacking those two with chairs, and then Kamei comes in, makes the save, and they do this six-man. And and once again, Kamei was the star of the show. This is what I talked about at length three weeks ago, where I said, hey, we're three years into this guy's career. By the time a lot of people hear this, he'll have had his... 20, 21, 22, thir- third or fourth anniversary. I can't do that math. I always get that confused. It would be his
2: third coming third up. Anniversary. Actually, his third might have been, by the time y'all are listening to this, it might be the third anniversary. Because it was the 21st, right? It was
1: the 22nd. I just looked okay. it up. So, um, 24 so hours anyways, off. Sorry. Yeah, so he's, so he, but, but still, you know, so he's been in the company three years and I made the point. I was like, look, the guy, the guy's not in enough big matches. The only Bravegate matches he's been in are the SB Kento matches, and I think one other uh, uh, challenge maybe against Daya. He hasn't been in a ton of Twin Gate matches despite being in one of the best Twin Gate matches ever. And his Triangle Gate matches have meant nothing historically. Like, they're making a mistake with this guy. I almost want to vote him most underrated in the Observer Awards just because I feel like he has such a higher ceiling. And ever since then, he had the weird Yo Brave Gate challenge on the house show, which was a good match, and he lost. And then he... He has the the pinfall win against Skywalker here where brilliant stuff, you know, this was to me uh, why this show is worth watching to some degree is Skywalker's throwing all of these big moves at Kamei. He kicks out of the big moves. Skywalker sets up for the knee first moonsault and before he can take off, Monte comes flying out of nowhere with a springboard drop kick, hits Skywalker. He is essentially topped over Kamei and then Kamei does the Jackie knife and gets the win. Brilliant finish. Protects Shun, extends the feud with Skywalker and Monte, and also makes Kame look like a million bucks. They accomplished a ton of things in under ten seconds. Just a brilliant job by Dragate, and now we're seeing what feels like a real, true Kame elevation. And no one is more deserving of it. I think he's one of the twenty best wrestlers in the world this year. And it's not like he's been in a ton of high-profile matches, but he is the Rey Mysterio, the Genki Horaguchi, the Susumu Mochizuki. To some degree, I would call him the Tomohiro Ishii of the guy who always gets the best out of you. You know, the point I made three weeks ago was 10 years from now, so many guys on the Dragon Gate roster, an overwhelming majority... Will, will be asked, hey, who was your best match against? And they'll almost all say Jackie Funky Kamei. He's become that guy on the roster, and it's time he's rewarded for that, and it looks like Drangate agrees with me.
2: And with where he's at, so entering his fourth year, essentially, as of uh, Final Gate, he'll be entering his fourth year. I think he, the time-wise for him, he's been in the kind of, in, in a lot of ways, like unlucky because of, where his class was and what all happened around his class and then covid and all of that around it but he is at that point where he he just turned 25 or 24 and 3 years in it's time to see like what you can really get out of him like he has a long career in front of him but if yesterday was an indication case do you think that he could be a viable not necessarily uh thinking that he could win the match but someone you could put in the front in the front line or the top line at a cork and hall main event for a dreamgate match you think you could see not not 2024 but 2026 2027 uh jackie funky Kame going up against yuki oshioka for like a just a random cork and dreamgate title fence because i think like we've we're now entering that uh reality
1: well yeah i mean look if you booked you know if skywalker wins on sunday you could book Skywalker versus Kame in Cork and in January on the second show not the Mochizuki show and i think it would sell 13 1400 tickets you know he's at that level now in the right instance what you're asking is a few years from now can he be a a quote unquote random dreamgate challenger i i kind of think so and that is shocking even to me because you know you've always been so high on him i think because you've seen this in him and my point was like look he just doesn't have the right charisma for a guy his size to have this ability to be like a true main eventer. Whereas, you know, he obviously came up with SB Kento. It's not that Kento's bigger than him; they're the same size. But I always felt like Kento had the right type of charisma to be a main eventer. Kamei is developing that, and it's really, really exciting.
2: Uh, Case, do you know how much taller Kento is built at than Kamei? Which seems like such a hysterical thing in retrospect
1: oh what do they give him like 10 centimeters on him
2: uh they list him at uh it, it ends up being 10 centimeters there about yeah yeah because they list him at five seven then uh, whereas uh takedo Kame or jfk's height he comes in he's at 163 centimeters that's essentially five foot three which feels legit
1: yeah kabune is not five seven
2: yeah no i mean if kabune is five seven then i'm six flat
1: yeah, and, and you are not.
2: and No, no, I am not. Someone's hung
1: out with you a few times. You're not yeah, six yeah. foot.
2: I, 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 I'm proudly not six foot. I, I, I'm not, and I'm not 5'10". I'm not 5'10", either. But it, it, it is something, though, that we're, we're, we are starting to see something where, no, I don't think that we're seeing someone who's going to break through that sort of kind of size ceiling in this company in the way that SB Kento was on the path to do so but it is something where, where like you what you you give me a lot of credit for pegging him as someone worth keeping your eye on 3 years ago but i didn't peg him as a dreamgate challenger i pegged him as hey this is going to be the guy that will be the most fun number 2 guy on a triangle gate team getting his ass kicked like that's where i kind of saw him as a brave gate challenger not someone who's like introduction and like introduction to a cork and main event. And now there's going this big hug versus natural vibes entry on where's Jackie Kamei going to go. I didn't see this happening. Like this is far beyond my, my, my biggest imagination.
1: No. And he should never win the Dreamgate championship. He no. should, he should be a challenger once every few years when the moment's right. He should get his ass kicked. And honestly, the career ar- arc archetype that I see him in now is 2013 Masada Yoshino where he was a marquee twin gate wrestler it mattered when he won the brave gate it mattered when he won the triangle gate and he was always in the mix but you know it's funny you know the last five years of Yoshino's career were so dominant that people might not realize he wasn't he wasn't really a proven main eventer until one day he just was that's the only way I can describe it is he won the the dream gate in 2013 his second run and it was just like, oh, yeah, no, this is where he belongs now. But it wasn't it wasn't that way. You know, when you look, it at, was the
2: orange. It was yeah, orange. it
1: was because like you go back and look at Junction 3 and it's not like it's not like he's the alpha dog in Junction 3. It's not like he's the alpha dog in World 1. You know, yeah, That was Doy and Hulk's unit.
2: And he was a Dreamgate champion in World 1. And, like, and uh, it was not a great run. No, no. But it was something where there was a day that basically happened and it was essentially around the time that monster express formed out of the husk of akatsuki uh mad Blanky, who which would still exist and more so world one international where we all kind of went like oh yoshino's the guy basically
1: it just happened it's one of the stranger things in Gate. i've been thinking about this a lot recently it just, One day it was just like, oh yeah, Masato Yoshino is the ace of the company. Like, yeah, he's of, co- of course he's the Dreamgate champion. And it wasn't like that until it was. It was just very strange the way that
2: happened. And it was something that in retrospect, we then try to figure it out. And I don't know if it's something where maybe it was the, the Dreamgate run that he dropped the belt to Ricochet. Or that he beat Ricochet for the belt. Was oh the
1: yeah, I mean, because the Yamato match that he wins the belt. I mean, that match is incredible. And then it's Doi and Osaka. And then it's Hulk at Final Gate. And both those matches are fine. Like, they're decent matches. And then it's the Mochizuki match in Cork and Hall. And then he loses the belt. But I I don't know. Something just changed about the way he presented himself and the way the crowd responded to him. And all of a sudden, Yoshino went from, you know, on the cusp of being a main eventer, really an upper mid-card guy, to he was the guy. And he was the guy that the company desperately needed at different points in history. And he delivered. And Kamei right now, again, you know, if he can just, you know, copy 2007 to 2010 Masato Yoshino, he's going to have a wonderful career. You know, I want to talk about Drangate and the way they handle these tag teams in just a little bit when we talk about gold class. Because if I were, you know, booking Drangate right now, I would be dedicating a lot of time and energy, whether it's, you know, Jason Lee or UT or Dragon Daya or Hyo or Monte, whoever it is. I would be sitting down and really focusing on who Jackie Funky Kame is going to form a legendary tag team with, because that's how he should ultimately be remembered is as one of the great tag team wrestlers of all time. And maybe through that, he can elevate himself within the company to a, a you know, to a Yoshino like level where one day it just, it makes sense that Kame could challenge for the Dream Gate belt. But right now that would be my sole focus is, is finding him a legacy style tag team partner, because that is where I think he's going to shine brightest.
2: And uh, talking a little bit about that and uh, the injuries and tag team partners uh, before the show, it was announced that Yuki Yoshioka had a eye injury and would be vacating the open to Dwingate gate titles on the Corken hall show. It opened up with the courage in the ring dragon Daya vacating the belt saying, hey, this is a temporary thing because when you think about the Twin Gate division, you usually think about us lately. And later on in the show, we had Alejandro have a, an appearance in the semi-main event and afterwards talk about how he still had kind of an open shot for the uh, Twin Gate and uh, talked about how Yuki Oshioka really wanted to see Kaito Kiyomiya. So Kaito Kiyomiya was here, but who was, who was there to see those two Ks? It was Gold Class.
1: You did a beautiful job setting that up. Can I back up for one second? Because I have a question for you. Absolutely. I apologize. I apologize. You did a great job setting all that up. We're going to go back to the twin gate in just a second. But I have actually a clarification question because after the main event, Monte once again, tries to recruit Kameh in a big hug. Shun initially cuts him off. It doesn't look like we're going to get an answer. And then Kamei kind of fights him off and says, no, he's going to stick in natural vibes. I'm having a very hard time reading this story for whatever reason. Do you get the sense that Kamei is just in natural vibes now or that they're going to keep trying to get him in big hug?
2: I feel like it will kind of come to a point where he will have to make the, uh, the, the, the breakaway thing. And, And could it be that it's not big hug that he's breaking away into? Like, I feel like that it's one of those things that we are kind of seeing. I mean, he's coming up on two years in natural vibes. So I think this is kind of the start of Kamei's exit from the unit. Now, is it to Hio and Monte? Probably, but I could just as easily see them him step away and say, no, I don't want to be a part of this. I want to do my own thing. That's but the thing. Do you think
1: he's at do you think he's at a point where he can start his own unit?
2: No. No. But I think he can be the support of someone else starting their unit.
1: God, that's so again i'm 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 having a very hard time reading that angle on what they're trying to do with it, and yeah, I don't know if if Kame and Nagano and mochizuki jr i I don't know if that's a strong enough unit, you know, I don't know if they can run with that, so they're certainly putting pressure on him to leave vibes, but I can't tell I can't tell what the end game is there, so I just want to get your thoughts on that. I'd love to know what other people think if he's if he's staying in vibes if he's going to big hug if he's starting his own thing because i very rarely have this much trouble reading where something might go i'm really perplexed on this not that they're doing a bad job with it i just have no feel for what the next step is
2: yeah it just kind of feels like we have this whole thing not necessarily thrust upon us like natural vibes zebrats that's been a reoccurring thing since zebrats was a thing essentially but it, it does kind of feel like that we are entering this next stage in uh, Jackie Funky Kamei's career. And it kind of was kind of thrust upon us in a way. Very
1: much so. So back to the Twin Gates. Yuki Oshioka vacates them. Mia and Alejandro are still challenging for the titles at Final Gate. As I talked about last week, the thought process here, whereas Noah was paying Uh, Both ways for Drangate talent to appear on NOAH shows and NOAH to appear on Drangate shows in 2022. This time, it is looked at as merely just paying back Drangate for letting Yoshioka work the N1, and Alejandro is teaming with Kiyomiya because Alejandro is from the Fukuoka area. We now know the wrestling Benkei and Coach Minora, and my first question to you, Mike, is what are the odds that Benkei pins Kaito Kiyomiya instead of Alejandro?
2: Man, that's the fun, the 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 fun uh chance here, right? <laughs> oh
1: god, it'd be so good. Oh god, I'd love it.
2: Because like right now, we imagine uh team muscles just gonna throw them around and eventually going to squish Alejandro, take the belts, and we're gonna move on with our day, right? Yeah. Like, but what if what what if there's only one person who can understand what the hell a galaxy view is case? And that is the Chicky Chicky sensei. <laughs>
0: Just to just I, completely
2: I, redo uh, whatever their plans are for Ariake Arena. I don't care about the House of Torture thing. It only brought in 600 people. Like, focus on the thing that, that the program involving Kiyomiya that actually has people showing up.
1: I am so fascinated by how Alejandro and Noah has never once popped off the screen. I've never watched an Alejandro-Noah match and gone, oh, I kind of like that guy. He looks so happy whenever he's in Dragon Gate. That feels like, you know, there was the report earlier this year that that unfortunately never came to fruition because I thought it was interesting that Dragon Gate had had at least inquired about shows availability in New Japan. We know, you know, other than Kai and, you know, Cosmo Sakamoto, who is still a freelancer, you know, historically Dragon Gate is not a promotion that really recruits from outside. At this time next year, if Alejandro was in a unit on the roster, it would not surprise me at all. This guy looks like he desperately wants to be a Dragon Gate wrestler.
2: Yeah, and it's something where when we see all the Anoa and Dragon Gate interactions, other than this stuff with Amikusa slash Howo, uh it does feel like Alejandro is the one that fits in the best. Like and other than the the rookies, the Noah rookies on the Bullieden show, it does kind of feel that way. And it was something that we remember when the uh, when Dragon Gate was working with Kyushu Pro when there was the Kinky Susumu tag team run in Kyushu where Alejandro was like a part of it. And all the while we're like, why is Alejandro not coming aboard here <laughs> at yeah. that point? That was just like two years <laughs> ago. And like, and, and it was something that while getting my notes together this looking up Alejandro's career and all the stuff and all the steps there i had to remind myself like oh yeah he like came in randomly as a member of congo and i immediately just uh pigeonholed him and stopped caring immediately
1: it's it's amazing what noah can do to a junior heavyweight wrestler i've never really seen anything like it but i i have to give props to ben and menorah who i assume by the next time we talk will be the twin gate champions I mentioned this in my my written review. Gold Class is becoming one of the most interesting units in the history of the promotion because they've existed now coming up on two years. And you think about all of the different changes in focus in Gold Class. Like D-Courage has been around for two years. And it's really, you know, was like, okay, it was the two guys and then it was the three guys and now it's the four guys. And that's kind of the unit. That's the way to summarize D-Courage gold class it's like okay it's menorah doi and ashita and they have this fucked up dynamic that's not working and then doi leaves and ashita leaves and somehow ben k is there and the unit becomes ben k's unit he steals it out from under menorah and then and you have
2: this and, uh, menorita. you forgot about menorita menorita yeah. <laughs> coming in and basically being the lifeblood of the unit until Ben K shows up.
1: You're right. You're right. I, and so, you know, you go from focus on Minora to focus on Minorita to focus on Ben to focus on Ben and Minorita as a unit. And then it felt like at the end of last year, like around this time, Minorita got the Brave Gate. So it's OK. Focus back on Minorita. And then it went to focus on Minora for some of this year. And now the focus is on Ben and Minora as a tag team. And one is interesting because Throughout their history, it felt like Ben and Menorah were often going in different directions. When one of them had the arrow pointing up, the other had the arrow pointing down. Now they're they're lockstep, and they're an awesome tag team. And I feel like in this uh, most recent run of Dragon Gate tag teams, we keep on falling into teams with great chemistry, and I feel like their stories continue to be untold to the fullest degree, and it's becoming really frustrating for me, and I just feel like Ben and Minora, they're probably going to win the Twin Gate belts, and then they're probably going to drop them, and we're just going to repeat the cycle. Because if you remember, Mike, I mean I used to complain about this.
2: Oh, yeah. There, oh,
1: there yeah. was there was a th- uh, like a three-year period where Kai, Yamato, and BB Hulk – we're in the twin gate picture no matter what. Those were the guys. They they were champions, they were challenging, they were friends, they were foes. That was what the triangle gate scene looked like. And it seemed like D-Courage, when Diane Yoshioka won the belts for the first time, they made an effort to really break away from that pattern. And they did a great job with that first Diane Yoshioka run. That go then they go to Shunmate. You get the Shun Monte stuff, which I feel like we'll remember very fondly because of the Kobe world match. But I also feel like they left a ton of meat on the bone with Shun Monte as a team. The same can obviously be said for Jackie and Jason. And then like, you know, Shimizu and Casey and and even I would argue Kano and Kondo to some degree. Like they're they're just running into these teams that have great chemistry. And it doesn't feel like their their reigns as champions or even just their time as a team are fully fulfilled. And it yeah. feels like they really have something with, but in menorah, I want to see these guys really embrace being a tag team and i just i worry that they're gonna win the belts drop in february then we'll never see him team again
2: yeah like case remember how much fun big boss shimizu and susumu yakosuka oh were my god as i, I
1: love that team
2: They aided big boss press just became one of the more fun finishing moves it's like yeah he's just slinging them down there it works yeah and and just like as a another little pseudo point of comparison here Case, like not completely relitigating the uh, Dreamgate situation. How much more meaningful would this all feel right now if we maybe had a six month longer Shun Monte uh, Twingate run?
1: It, it it is possibly the thing that if I had the Dreamgate time machine, you know, Kameh and Jason didn't need to win that match at World. Still would have been a five star match if they lost. And really, dying in Kakuta and Hulk and Kai, the next two champions in lineage, they didn't need the belts. Shu and Monte should have lost to Shimizu and KZ at, in December of last year, and we could have gone from there. It just feels like they left so much on the table with Shu and Monte, and now we might be in a similar position with Ben and Minora.
2: Yeah, and like the frustrating thing about it is they do this, and it's not like it's going to another tag team that's established, you know, or a team that has like a some sense of permanence to them. It just seems like it'll be like, what, what's going to be the next team up? Maybe somehow we luck into, oh, we're going to have a couple meaningful months with Susumu and Kanda. Like, it just seems like it, that's more happenstance than it, it, actually it'll, it'll planned out. It'll be
1: Daya and Tanaka, probably, and it'll be cool, and it'll be fine. But, it, you know, it feels like Ben and Minora have a real thing here. I will I will give credit to Dragon Gate. You know, they didn't do Susumu and Kanda versus Mochizuki Sr., Mochizuki Jr., which I would say, thank God they they weren't planning on it because Junior got hurt. They wouldn't have been able to do it at this show like I thought they were going to. Other than that, I do feel like they fully explored Susumu and Kanda as a team, and, and oddly enough, gave them the most memorable run of their entire career as, as a unit together. So I do have to give Drangit credit for that. I thought they nailed that one. But over the last two or three years, I just... You know, there's nothing better in wrestling than a good Twin Gate match. To me, it is the highest level of wrestling there is. And I feel like they really, they just haven't made the most of it. And it's been very frustrating because Twin Gate matches are still wrestled at a super high level. I am looking at, you know, top 10 matches of the year right now, both for Dragon Gate and worldwide. And when I look at my Dragon Gate top 10, very few matches I enjoyed more this year than Shimizu and KZ versus the Mochizukis. Like a crazy underrated, crazy good match. And I just feel like we should have way more of those. But uh, teams are not teams are not doing what they once did.
2: No, it certainly does not feel that way right now. Okay, should we run down the remainder of Quarkin before we get into our final gate preview? I think that's a great idea. So we opened up with Punch Managa versus Yoshiki Kato. This was the... Rematch of the most infamous Dragon Gate Future match of all time. This time, Tomonaga gets the win with the Sunset Flip, is able to get out of the Moonfall uh, Backbreaker, and was able to get the leg up on his Triangle Gate Challenger. After that, we had Natural Vibes versus a big unaffiliated mess of KZ, Strong Machine J, Big Boss Shimizu, Jason Lee, UT, versus Don Fuchi, Ginky Horiguchi, kagatora takashi yoshida and the man of the night a daiki yanaki who decided that he wanted to take on natural vibes all on him all by himself and he ended up eating a power boss bomb to lose the aforementioned ishin countout victory over jackie funky Kame was match three ultimo dragon and viento versus super crazy and demus it was ultimo dragon hitting the rare As- Asai ddt to win uh, the uh, match five was the Gold Class versus M2K. Minora, Spiking Kanda with the Golden Rose. Eight-man tag team match. Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Rookie Alejandro from Noah versus Dragon Die Ryoya, Tanaka, Eita, and Shuji Kondo. It was Alejandro's modified Yoshi to win that. And then the main event, as we discussed earlier, it was a disqualification against Shun Skywalker in the first part of the main event. And then we had... Jackie, Funky Kamei, and Ishan joined the match, and that led us to Jackie, Funky Kameh defeating June Skywalker with the Jackie Knife to end out the Corkin card.
1: Okay, I think there's two things I want to hit here. We'll do the Ultimo conversation in just a second, but I want to throw something at you. I talked about this in my review, and I'm curious to know your thoughts. Think about worldwide wrestlers. We don't have to limit this to uh, just Drangate. Is there a bigger difference or rather, is there a wrestler that that has this big of a difference between a great Shuji Kondo match and a bad Shuji Kondo match? Is there another wrestler that has a bigger disparity in the quality of their work? The one guy that came to mind was this current incarnation of MJF, where we have work rate MJF, MJF which is a ton of fun, and then we also have telling stories MJF, which is my least favorite thing in wrestling. There might be a bigger disparity between his great matches and his bad matches, but like. I have one for you. Okay, go ahead. Britt Baker. Britt Baker is a good poll. That when, man, when she's off, <laughs> when
2: she is one off, of the, she is
1: one of the worst wrestlers on
2: earth. One of the worst wrestlers on TV. But when she's on, she's had some of the best matches of the year whenever she's been on. But, like, yeah, no, Shuji Kondo is a Dragon Gate equivalent of it. Because everyone else, it's not necessarily uh, just on or off. It is just, like, how much do they care on that night? Well, Shuji Kondo is just a complete just uh, grab bag what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a bummer because you watch him and Noah, and he never pops off the screen. Like, Kondo and Noah is just a train wreck. But Kondo, like, in in his eight-man... His A-Man Tech, he was kind of the star of that match. I thought he was awesome, and it just it reminds you, it's like, oh, that's right, Shuji Kondo's a great wrestler when he wants to be.
2: Yeah, I, I, it, it's something where I am going to be real interested way down the line case when people are willing to talk about those things. Uh, just trying to get ask people about what Shuji Kondo's return plan was and how it ended up, and what did the Achilles tendon kind of play into it, or was he already really just trying to find something while he got his post wrestling careers underway, because boy, what we were expecting and what we have gotten have been probably like almost as divergent as what we were expecting with Ultima and what we've gotten in in two different ways.
1: I mean, I don't know. I, I certainly expected Connor to turn heel at one point and that never happened. But other than that, I think he's kind of fulfilled what I thought he would.
2: Really? I mean, we were talking in 2023, uh, 2020 about him like coming in as X in the King of Gate tournament. Like we were anticipating that and then he came in in that July and it was like, oh, Shuji Kondo is now returning to Dragon Gate. I remember us being really high on it, hoping for that heel run, if not like more of a focus there. And it just feels like that instead of him being like integrated in maybe it is because we we did not get the main event heal run that I think we both were anticipating. But I felt like that we had pretty pretty big expectations that this was going to be like his big last ride and we didn't well get i guess any of that. yeah
1: it, you know it comes down to i think i think his entire Gate career is different if king of gate 2020 happens the way that it was supposed to because he was you know for those that don't know he was supposed to return in king of gate 2020 and you know i i you know, probably run through the field for the most part and then that didn't happen uh, because there was no King of Gate that year, at least no no normal King of Gate. That was the indoor, no fans, dreadful King of Gate 2020. And then yeah, from there, like yeah, he returns as a babyface in July and teams with Dragon Kid, and we all thought he was going to turn on Dragon Kid in his first night back, and then that didn't happen. And I feel like when that didn't happen, it was like okay, all right, well I, he's you know he's gonna he's gonna take it easy. But there has been some high points along the way. Like I think if you go back and look at kondo's cage match over the last three years there's been some really good things that he's been involved with. It is few and far between, but that doesn't necessarily shock me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I guess it's also thinking about like him wrestling his style. Also like there, there is a time limit to to how he has wrestled. You know,
1: I don't, I don't feel shortchanged by Kondo's Gate run.
2: I I, I think maybe it was more so when I say shortchange, it was, it was our expectations were not set. Right. I guess like, like we were, our enthusiasm overtook us, is what I would oh, say. Oh, well,
1: yeah, because he's because he's still the man. Like, Shuji Kondo's yeah. awesome, but I can't believe they haven't done a heel turn with him, and now it feels past its point. You know, I, I I wouldn't see a reason to do it. I don't think I'd be super into it if they did it, but 2020, 2021, yeah, I expected him to be an R.E.D. or Zebrats or whatever the heel unit was at the time.
2: Oh, God, imagine just, like, Shuji Kondo gear in the black and yellow Zebrats. It was perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately... I'm disappointed we didn't do Kondo and Sakamoto as a tag team, but you know uh, this. I you know Kondo is not a contracted wrestler. I guess that's still a possibility.
2: Yep that 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 is true. You said you had one more point you were going you wanted to touch on on Corquín.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the Ultimo thing. I know this is this is yep. sort of your ballpark. Let's let's get this out of the way before we talk about Final Gate.
2: Yeah. So uh, Ultimo was in a match teaming with Viento versus Super Crazy and Demus. Uh, I. I think a lot of people were very let down by this match. And a lot of people were not wanting this kind of match. This is not the matches you see or you wanted in third Dragon Gate. And uh, it, it, it's an Ultima show. Like we we went a long time without having Ultima show's case. Now we just had Ultima show involving his friends, basically.
1: I'm not super bothered by it. I talked about it in my written review. You know, there's there's history for this. It's not... It's not a moment where, like, wow, Ultimo really, really got one over on Dragon Gate. You know, you go back to the Luchador friends that helped out in the early days of Torimon, Perry Saturn and Norman Smiley showing up and working that T2P show. Even when Ultimo came into Dragon Gate, you know, one of the first things they did was they brought in all the Michinoku guys to team with him against uh, Tri-Vanguard for the first Gate of Origin show. Ultimo Dragon works with his friends, even last year with Santo. It's like, I don't like it, It's not my thing. It's very clearly not over. These luchadors were not over. This match was not over. Maybe I'm just more tolerant to it. I don't, it doesn't, some people were really up in arms about this and I get it. You know, the match wasn't good. I also, it's not like it was a dud of a match. I didn't think it was like an abomination, but it happens once in a blue moon. This is, you know, the price you pay for doing business with Ultimo, but I I don't know. It, It comes and goes. It doesn't bother me a ton.
2: Yeah, for me at least, this match uh, wasn't very good to me. It was not what I was hoping for. It is notable that this was the second longest match on the show. This was, but it was match four. It was pre intermission. We got out of we got out of the way and we moved on. A larger question that I kind of wanted to touch on, and bring up here. We had we also uh, fresh on the heels of Viento and Demus are out of Dragon Gate. They left. That was it for their tours. We have a new announcement, a new wrestler coming in. Uh, some folks who are very familiar with Indy Lucha would be very familiar with Johnny Valletta coming in uh, on the, the Cork and Hall show in January, teaming with z due to his relationship with Shun Skywalker and Kai. And I think really now is the time where we kind of make not a full judgment but i think there's a reality we must come to when we talk about the dragon system and foreigners that comes part and parcel of ultimo that we are out of the era that we had and it was i would argue one of the more exciting foreigner eras in modern uh japanese wrestling of getting folks f- dating back to like jack evans matt Seidel, all the way through ricochet pack flamita bandito we're now kind of dealing with uh, who will come over and uh, who are friends of Ultimo. And sometimes it pays off case. Sometimes it really pays off in the case of Luis Monte. And sometimes you get stuff like this.
1: Well, you know, it, look, it's a change in focus. And we've talked about this on this show before. You know, the stakes, the stakes for somebody coming over now, a foreign wrestler coming over are lower than they were for, Obviously, Jack Evans, Pac, Ricochet, even like a Kevin Steen type, I feel like they were thrust into the spotlight more. And there's been a change in the turnover of the company five years ago where now if you're going to be a foreigner that comes over, you're either going to commit to Dragon Gate and then maybe you'll be pushed or you can come in and do a tour or two and and, you know, you could work selective important matches here and there, but they're not going to put any focus into you. Whereas, you know, previously, if you were not from Japan and you worked a Dragon Gate tour, you were all over the place. You know, Peter Casa was in super important Dragon Gate matches, despite not being on the talent level of other Dragon Gate wrestlers. That's just not the case anymore. These guys feel a little bit more secluded, secluded. And there is absolutely a company shift and like, look, we can't invest in Pac Ricochet. You know, we're not going to invest in top flight to use a contemporary example just for them to get good under our company's umbrella and then leave us. We're not doing that anymore. Either commit to us and we'll push you, or you know, if you if we need to fill out the card, sure, we'll use Ultimo's friends. I don't necessarily love it, but I understand where their heads are at.
2: It's just something for me that I, it's frustrating because one of the things I loved about Dragon Gate in the aughts in the 2010s was the, uh, the aspect, and I think now we could clearly attribute it mainly to one person that was someone who was very good at and i am on record as saying as perhaps the greatest talent evaluator of the modern era but and that's just not what it is and no I, me- I'm,
1: I'm with you and it, it's unfortunate that you know altima's connections are so tied to mexico where it certainly feels like and i'll ask around to see if i can get any any concrete information on this but you know it, it certainly seems like if you're of mexican descent if you're not on the same page as Ultimo, you're not going to work Dragon. And I do Mm -hmm. think that's a mistake with all of the talent that's, that's available in Mexico right now. You know, I, I wish Ultimo was tight with like the Canadian indie scene or something. Then it would be a little bit easier to stomach.
2: Yeah. And it is something where like, like at least when we're talking about like with Mexico, having just like solely Ultimo's friends, you miss out on the previous relationships. Like, i at least for me like i i and we'll talk about late later on like there was a time there was a lot of, of exciting and interesting people coming in from big lucha that were flamita and bandito students that in a different era would be coming into dragon gate that because of just how how cards have laid and how people ended up in certain places it just is not happening more and, and that for me at least is it bums me out a lot it does
1: So what are your thoughts on our newest foreigner coming over in the month of January?
2: Oh, I just, just hope he does. I I wasn't a big fan of him and and I at WRG. I don't think he's very good. I just hope he doesn't like ruin a bunch of dragon gate stuff. Basically like we're we're reverting back to, and I, and I'm sorry for, for, for hyperbolizing case, like we're, we're reverting back to a thing where it like mysterioso and stuff like this, where like foreigners come in and we'll see, I, I have very low expectations. I mean, what do you expect to get out of Johnny Violetta in Dragon Gate?
1: I liked uh, Striga from Eastern Lariat. I liked his optimism where I think it was him that was just like, well, you know, when you, you, you aesthetically, he might work in Zebras. Like I could I could see this working. And I I don't believe I've ever seen him wrestle. So I can't comment on that. But, you know, like anything, we'll see. You know, it. look, he's he's scheduled for January's tour. If he's bad, we'll never see him again. If he's good, they might have an asset. I, I'm, I'm willing to see how that plays out. It, it could be a thing where by the end of the tour, he's doing undercard tags with Ishan, and we never see him again. And four years from now, we go, oh, remember that guy? And that's, you know, that's what it is to me. I, it feels very much right now with foreigners. It is low risk and low reward, and Diamante has been the exception to that rule. And that's that's okay. You know, again, I, I understand where their heads are at. I don't think it's fair to say that Drangate feels like they've been burnt by all of the foreigners coming in getting good and then leaving but i don't think they want to put themselves in that position again
2: yeah and i I, and i think some of it also for me the frustration is that i go and i look and i see brian keith and ddt you know yes like 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 those are that part of my frustration is seeing like oh now a lot of the very cool foreigners that would be coming in are going to other companies That's and and part part of of part
1: of that is just the cash flow thing. You know, I was talking to somebody I was talking to somebody two weeks ago where it's like, yeah, you know, all I hear in Japan is, you know, Drangate needs money. Drangate needs money. You know, they're they're not owned by a major corporation like Noah and DDT and New Japan are, you know, they need money. And thus, you know, whereas. I don't know if this was 2006, I, I could see them. You know, working hard to grease those Mystico wheels and be like, "I'll yeah, come over to do, do a show or two. It doesn't make financial sense for them right now. You know, I, I'm trying to think of like who the highest profile luchador they could book would be that's not tied to CMLL. I guess Mystico was a bad example, but I don't, I don't think that's that that's an option right now. You know, I, I I'm very curious to know if Viento. And Demos got paid anything to be on these Dragon Gate shows. It wouldn't shock me if it was, you know, hey brother, work this for exposure. That that wouldn't shock me at all because again, it's just a cash flow issue.
2: Yeah, no, that's fair. That that that, and that is a reality where I I know you don't pay attention to these kind of things as much as I do, but it's not like that. At least the yen is going to turn around anytime soon. No, like, I, I'm actually I,
1: you're right. It's not normally my thing, but I am I am aware of how poorly the yen is doing right now.
2: Yeah, surprised that they're. Uh, I I don't know if it's finance minister, but it well, there was a uh, a release that they were talking about pulling back up interest rates, and I was like, no, no, we're not even thinking about doing it for another three to six months. Whereas like the rest of the world's looking differently towards that. And you know, you that- know
1: the other the other thing. Sorry to cut you off, <laughs> but I just thought of this now. You got to remember, I don't I don't want to speak out of school here. So you know, CMLL is tied up. They're not going to get anybody from CMLL. Uh, Big Lucha is no longer under Bandito's umbrella and Big Lucha sided with Glate. So they're not going to get anybody that is like a stronghold Big Lucha guy. And you have to remember, there is seemingly some heat, at least it was told to me by somebody that I trust very close to the situation. There was some heat between Dragon Gate and AAA over the Kento and Takuma stuff. So you're kind of looking at three major exports of luchadors where you're just not going to be able to touch anybody for a while. And that's not defending Drangate. You just have to look at the situation honestly. Look, I wish they were bringing in Brian Keith. I wish they were bringing in Josh Alexander. I wish they were bring, bringing in whoever is talented on the, on the American indie scene, which is not a ton of guys, but there are guys there that I think would work in Drangate. That's not going to happen. And they're kind of locked out of Mexico, which I'm only just now realizing.
2: Yeah, that's a part of it that the politics side is just a bad beat right now and, and the story dragon Gate 2023 just bad luck because it's not like i can see like anything that dragon gate did to kind of have the situation in mexico ending up the way it is for them
1: no and, and this is pure speculation this is right this yeah, is to be clear on, well, at well, this well, point what, what, we what i'm about are... to say is pure speculation where it's like i don't know if dragon gate really wanted to book a rez, and a really wanted to work dragon gate I'm not saying that the powers that be would squash that, but I also don't think it's a subject that either side is necessarily looking to broach right now. Right, yeah. That's that's the vibe I get on that situation, is that Gate and AAA, Gate lost a lot of trust in AAA when the Kento and Takuma stuff went down, and that they're probably not having any conversations about talent trades anytime soon. That is my read from people that I've talked to very close to the kento and takuma situation
2: yeah yeah and just money wise and currency wise it's just the it's tough out there if you don't have a corporate backer right now it's so it seems final case uh we we've kind of talked a little bit around this i guess it's it's good enough time for us to start our big uh preview should we start from the opener up this time sure that's fun
1: real quick uh, what do you think about the attendance for this show? Just to give you a point of reference, 2019 pre COVID, that show was Doi and Ben K in the main event. That did 3289. Final Gate 2020, which was Ben and Shun peak COVID, that did 1855. 2021 did 2,000 fans. And 2022 did 2589, which that was still with some restrictions. We came out of Final Gate 2022 feeling like that was a good number. What do you think? Do you think they can beat 2589, which was last year? Do you think they could match 3289 from 2019? Where do you think they're going to fall?
2: I think if they break 3,000, kind of the 3,000 is the real number here. I don't think they're approaching that uh, 2019 figure right now. It just does not feel that way around the build towards it. They have been doing well in Tokyo. Like, that's not like a concern in that kind of thing. It's just. 3200 in that building even though it, it this has been built for a long time this kind of match even though it was kind of thrown together like we, we knew that eventually these three guys would be around the dream gate just not in this kind of configuration right now so i i, I think i'm expecting around 3000 is where i'd put it at where are you feeling
1: i predict 2600 fans i do not think this show is going to do oh, very well
2: you see i was being a little optimistic there i was leading a little optimistic uh, no
1: if you if you gave me the over under of 2700 i would take the under i do not i do not get the get the sense that this is a very hot show
2: yeah and it's something where yes uh alejandro is a Fu- is a uh, fukuoka local with that but they are it's not like they're going crazy with that kind of stuff. No, history.
1: it's uh, uh, look, I, I get it. I respect it. I would do the same thing mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It is a Noah Jr.
2: Yeah. And so, so I love that 3000 being optimistic, uh, 20, you're thinking twenty six eighty ish or thereabouts.
1: Yeah. I think they're essentially going to do uh, the same thing that happened with dead or alive this year. We're dead or alive. 22, was a pretty good number, all things considered, and then Dead or Alive twenty twenty three was a disappointment, all things considered. I think we're gonna look at the same thing for Final Gate,
2: yeah. Which, if you look at the the trend line for the bigger shows outside of Kobe World, that's definitely how things have been trending. So, I i twenty eight hundred, I guess, is really i if they walk away twenty eight hundred, I would be like, okay, that's fine. Three thousand is, hey, y'all did great there, but twenty. Yeah. If they only put 2400 in their case, what are you walking away Christmas Eve thinking?
1: Oh, is a bad number because that's under what they did in 2022 and I don't think they can do that. I mean, I don't know, may- maybe I'll be wrong because if you look at their house show numbers, they're really, really strong right now. They just did a great house in Nagoya. They did a great house in Yokohama today. Obviously, the Corkin numbers are as strong as anybody in Japan right now. they're They're drawing. you know this is a promotion that that in a lot of their markets right now, uh, they're doing quite well. The problem is that I just don't think this show is very hot. I just, I don't have a good sense of this. Uh, I don't have a good feeling for the house for the show.
2: Mm-hmm. That that That's entirely fair. And it's something where when I said 3000, I now, the more I'm thinking about it, the 2800 is being optimistic. 2700 is probably a realistic one. Uh, we open at uh, at Fukuoka with the uh, Natural Vibes versus Rookie tag with uh, Jason Lee, UT, Jackie, Funky Kamei versus Roya Tanaka, Kaito Nagano, and Daiki Yanagiyuchi. Interesting putting the, this match opening things up here. I like that opener a whole lot, actually.
1: Yeah, I would hope that that Daiki's able to find some of the magic that he has in Quark and, and put it in other buildings now. That, that to me, would be the biggest win for this, is just seeing him continue to kill it.
2: Yeah, and I guess really, like when I'm thinking about like Fukuoka... There we go. We have uh Nagano from nearby Hakata, so that's kind of like your closest kind of hometown guy here. Yeah, it, it, it's something where like I feel like the race is on between those two, though, to see who kind of is bringing up the uh, kind of the, the the end of the class. I feel like because you've already seen now Tanaka make the step up, Kato is already off to the races here, and you're kind of left seeing like where. Nagano and Yanaguchi kind of step up and when Absolutely. that's going to happen. Uh, open the Brave Gate uh, is currently Hio uh, defending against Ginki Horiguchi. This would be V2 for Hio, but we are still operating under the idea that Hio will be there. We'll see if his uh, fever clears up in the meantime. Uh, any chance case, if this match goes on as planned, any percentage chance that Ginki Horiguchi wins?
1: I don't think so. I think we're setting up, uh, and, and other people have pointed this out. I think we're setting up a genki loss and a post match promo in which he says 2024 is going to be his last year and that he'll retire in October in Kumamoto.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably where we're looking at. Maybe not. Yeah, it does kind of feel like that. It that that they did the big 25th anniversary. He got through it and. It feels like it everything it had for years has seemed like it's time.
1: I'm really curious to see if he can turn back the clock one more time because I don't remember now if it was twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two when he won the Bravegate belt at Kobe. Was that twenty twenty one?
2: Yep, that was the first of the two, because that was night one. Uh, yeah. Because last, yeah. uh, last year was Hyo
1: and what last year was Hio and SB Kento. So 2021. And and that was the time that it really hit me where I was like, man, Genki, you know, he he slowed down and slowed down, but it felt like he could still have the great Genki match every once in a blue moon. And that was really when I was like, oh man, he didn't have it. He didn't have it on these nights. And of course, there's the story that I wrote about uh in my my Genki Horaguchi piece that was published on voiceswrestling.com this year, where As he was getting ready to go out and defend the Brave Gate belt on the second night, he was pulled over by the Gaiora camera crew and asked to translate a Diamante promo before, like as his music was playing, and then he went out and wrestled Kakatora and lost. So I don't know, maybe with a clearer head, we can get a better Yankee match, but uh, it'll be interesting to see.
2: Yeah, and this is all kind of operating with the idea that Hyo will be there for that match i don't know what you would really at this point kind of throw in there for Bravegate gate match I, unless I, it would be kame? a real
1: problem I, I I, mean i don't know then you kind of get into like some interim champion bullshit that i don't i i wouldn't i wouldn't do kame here i just feel like let, he's got a clear path to success let's not let's not deviate at all
2: i it, it's just something where that in this company as we saw with the Twin Gate when you make a title match if you can't do it it's going to be vacated and that it's a possibility I feel like we have to entertain that and Kamei is the one person at the forefront
1: I feel like Kagatora is like just take him just just let's make this easy have Kagatora win the belt have Kagatora lose the belt and we'll we'll go on from there
2: Fair enough. Speaking of Kagatora case, match three, we have the original pairing of M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi Kanda versus Don Fuji, perhaps interim uh, Bravegate champion Kagatora and Problem Dragon. And what really the, this one is the get everyone on the show match.
1: I have no thoughts on this, but can we talk about the fact that Masaki Mochizuki versus Shingo Takagi is happening in January?
2: yeah we ha- how did we go an hour and a half case
1: i know you know i just noticed it wasn't on your show notes and i was like oh gla- glaring omission <laughs> by
2: both of us this, this is, is what not happened a, not a good look yep that <laughs> yep, on us yep uh pre-intermission it was announced that the Masaki mochizuki 30th anniversary show happening on january 10th 2024 will be Masaki mochizuki against perhaps his greatest opponent shingo takagi one more time case
1: just like the Blink 182 song this year, one more time. I I, I don't know if you caught the 2023 uh, Blink record. I unfortunately buddy. I don't think that got over.
2: I, I, I did not catch the record, but I knew that they did like this reuniting track that's like, hey, we're now in our fifties, Mark Hopp has had cancer, uh, Tom DeLong tried to go find uh, aliens and uh, Travis Barker is married to Kardashian, but we're back together again. Song.
1: Yeah, that the album's called one more time, the title track. Is like a really whiny, slow acoustic song that somehow became a big radio hit this year. It like defies all logic of what a single should be, and I people people really like the new Blink record. I is uh, very uh, it's very surprising to me. and Good for them. Uh, Man, so we're, my, doing, my we're first... doing the one more time Blink anniversary edition with Masaki Mojizuki and Shingo yeah. Takagi.
2: <laughs> yeah, my first uh, live concert was Blink One Eight Two. Really? Like yeah. No, no. no there is a bit of nostalgia that, at least for me, like you're hitting like the late thirties, early forties, uh, yes. real strong there. Uh, their
1: tour this year, they, they toured with turnstile this year and, uh, I was there. I, unfortunately I have, I have an interesting blink 182 story from my shoot job, but I, I'd actually get in trouble if I told it, so I can't tell it. But anyways, uh, I was at that show and it really made me realize how incredible live music production is now because Tom DeLong on this tour sounded like he could sing, and that's never really been his thing live
2: worst singer worst singer like and that's the thing about like that the nasally song like it's almost all tom delong like doing that
1: yeah 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 no he actually sounded really good live and it just made me go like man live microphones are incredible now this is like a feat of technology that he can do this uh did you ever see angels and
2: airwaves Never saw them live. I know saw, that's kind of surprising.
1: Saw angels saw angels and airwaves once. They were so fucking loud that it yeah. was like not fun. They were they were direct support for Cage the Elephant a few years ago, and I really like Cage the Elephant. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I think they're a good band. But uh, angels played before them, and it was so loud it was unpleasant. I it, I've never heard anything like it before.
2: Well, much like Cage the Elephant, we ain't got no rest for the wicked for ah, Chingo well done, well and Mochizuki. Pulled up their all-time record here, Case. Uh, They've had 10 technical singles matches. I say technical because one of them was a King of Chop match. Masaki Mochizuki won that one, by the way. Of course. But uh, in Dreamgate title matches, they are one and one other title matches. Masaki Mochizuki defended the FIP World Heavyweight title against Shingo Takagi in 2010 with it. It's their first singles match since 2017, and it will be coming almost and this is the thing uh, i love cage match but they almost had me do an uh uh-oh because they do day month year dating and i was almost saying that this match would happen eight years to the day no it was 11-1 2015 the uh of destiny 2015 show with the uh ghost five star match
1: yeah yeah i love their 2005 singles match I love their 2010 singles match 2015, maybe the best dragon game match of all time. And their last singles match, which I think was King of Gate was also great. So, I mean, look, it's Mochi and Shingo. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait. I thought they were going to do Mochi and Nakajima. And the fact that they got Shingo, I think is really, really cool.
2: I think that it's like Nakajima is the cool thing to do with it. But Shingo for the 30th anniversary match, if, if Junior was not able to go and and Masaki Mochizuki was like, no, uh, your knee, buddy, we're not certain about that, and I don't want to risk your match or this match on a knee that might not be okay, Shingo is the match to make, unless you get Hook, unless you're sending Hook.
1: <laughs> and they're not sending Hook. Remember, they, they don't have the cash flow for Hook.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no sending Hook unless Hook can be put on a 24-month 0% APR.
1: Yeah, no, no, Viento's in the budget, Hook is not
2: right yeah yeah but man it's a it, it was something that when this all got announced i feel like if for for the parts of like social media and internet that is very much like the the tip the toe in dragon gate fans everyone flipped their shit on this like you could tell when something is over when everyone's like oh they're doing shingo mochi again
1: yeah i i i'm pumped i have nothing else to add i just i can't wait for it
2: absolutely uh where was i on the preview case before
1: the we- m3 the m3k match
2: yeah, because that has interim uh, Brave Gate champion uh, Kakatora <laughs> in that, of course. Uh, match four, uh, it is on Christmas Eve. Case, I hope you're going to have a nice uh, holiday. But they're going to have a Christmas special for us on Christmas Eve. We have the eight participants. They will be drawn at the fan meet on the 23rd. Ultimo Dragon, KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, Strong Machine J, uh, BB Hulk, who returned at Corkin. Uh, dragon Daya, naruki doi and shuji kondo eight man tag team match decided by these pairings why aren't they just letting doi just bring out the board and let people throw darts at the uh, convention for this i
1: don't know i'd really like to know the history behind why they're not doing doi darts anymore because they stopped doing it during covid and i was like all right i buy that that's fair but now i'm to bring it back baby
2: yeah especially like with like these eight guys you say like during the fan meet you're like we're going to decide it by doy darts Nariki Doi's in this match these are the eight people here we're going to choose sides the first four people who are drawn are on one side the other side's on the other congrats we brought back doy darts
1: yeah because it's not like the argument can't be well ultimo's in the match Ultima needs time to prepare he's going to do his comeback and then get out of the ring everybody yeah. knows the ultimo spot
2: yeah, yeah. Ultimo is going to run in there. He's going to do a back body drop. He's going to do his mule kick, and he's going to find one person to do the uh, head scissors bulldog. Yep. That's all he does. And then, and then he'll do the blah modest draw cradle one, two, three. And he's going to get a huge pop when he enters the ring. Yep. That that And that's all we really want from him. That's no, I don't.
1: I Trust me. I don't need more.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw perhaps the last society DDT that we'll probably see. You know, we're, we're good now. Uh, do you remember open- when
1: he came into Dragon Gate and he kept on teasing the Asai moonsault and all those early Dragon Gate matches? At, we we bought onto that for way too long. Man. Oh my, I dude, I bought into every. I was like, oh, he's clearly doing the moonsault at this
2: sambo Hall show. Like, like a solid know? six months, I kept on thinking he was going to do it. Case like it was like that. I I I might have believed onto that longer than i should have believed in the easter bunny i was like well know? there's
1: there's 300 people in fukuoka clearly he's doing the boots <laughs> all tonight <laughs> like, what are you talking of course he's doing it i bought into it every single time o- o- Ultima somehow is on the okinawa tour in front of 90 <laughs> yeah. people uh yeah so, hey he's w- watch him. your
2: head you might hit the ceiling buddy just be careful when you dive tonight <laughs> <laughs> work white brother yeah 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 uh you're you're doing the light handshake with that
1: <laughs> all right what about this triangle gate match?
2: yeah uh the 87th opened the triangle gate champion punch the along with his partners yamato and dragon kid will be defending against kai and yoshiki kato of zebra's case we knew that the, that the punch Tominaga triangle gate line was going to come to a close and i think we see the end is in four days
1: yeah, this has got to be it. Get Kai, get Kaya Bell, get Ishinabel, get Kato. This would be his first belt, right?
2: Correct. This is a uh, Kato's first title shot too.
1: Yeah. Ex- okay. Boom. Have him tap out. Punch. You free Yamato and Dragon Kid up for stuff. The punch thing served its purpose. Again, you know, it, it's it's a good marker of hey, are you in the loop on Dragon Gate or not? Because this reign has been perfectly inoffensive. The title win was a great feel good moment. But it served its purpose, and this is what I said when they won: was you know, okay, if they retain at Destiny, they've got to lose by Final Gate. I think they'll lose at Final Gate, and we'll be good to go. No, nothing wrong with that.
2: Yep, yeah, no, nothing wrong with that case. Uh, this week, as we're recording on Wednesday, I have Dynamite on in my office, and they're doing a preview for the next Aqua- Aquaman movie, and they have six AEW wrestlers in this preview. Uh, I'll let you take a guess at one of them.
1: Okay, well, I flipped on AEW for one second while they were doing this, and then quickly exited because I saw that they were doing that. Uh, the, the the people I saw on TV were Darby Allen, and I believe Evil Uno. Is that is there anybody else you wanted me to guess?
2: Well, I I don't know who you thought Darby Allen was because Darby was not. Oh, I know who you thought Darby Allen was, man. Oh my god, uh, that's the Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth. Did not know he was still employed. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah this is a great reminder of people who are still employed by AEW. It is uh, him, uh, Christopher Daniels, uh, Ethan Page, and uh, Nyla Rose.
1: Did, oh, man. Hadn't thought about Nyla Rose in a minute either.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, like the, that was really like, a, hey, remember 2020 AEW Dark Elevation? Was Griff Garrison in the picture? Man, that was the one person missing with that.
1: Uh, i i refuse to sell my griff garrison stock i just there's no way that guy can't be a great pro wrestler
2: yeah I, I, if we had like another week case like if this was like a normal dragon gate year where we would have an extra week here we, we would need to decide like who is that we need we would need to like put out like who are the wrestlers who we still have stock on for some ridiculous reason because you've you've been high on griff garrison longer than anyone else with a rational mind should be my biggest
1: miss over the last few years, I think I tweeted this when he announced he was leaving. I really thought, and this is, you know why? this is Drangate Brain. This is Drangate Brain affecting my enjoyment of other wrestling promotions. When QT Marshall and The Factory became a thing, I thought that group was going to be so over. The Governor? And, oh, and The Freak Beast, Nick Camaretto. How is Nick Camaretto not the World Heavyweight Champion?
2: how like cody Rhodes has admitted it like god anthony Agogo, gogo like that was a moment like he could have been a star yeah right? yeah i really thought the factory oh i was all in on the factory man i
1: thought it was gonna be like a mojozuki dojo thing where they were ju- they all would get over as a result and none of them did and i really like not as in hey i like this unit i wish they would have done well I remember plotting out like they're they're going to be a huge deal. This is going to be a massive win for the company, and it never it never ever happened. It never came close to happening.
2: It it never felt as cool as it was the turn where like they brought like Cody up on the stairs and uh, QT Marshall was looking badass. Like
1: yeah, they had the track jackets. Like they had a look.
2: They it had, was, it was as
1: hell. They were so close to making that so cool, and they just never. They never got there with it, and it bummed me out because I I I know Griff wasn't in there, but like there's that whole class of guys, and other than Hobbs, none of them have really, none of none of those like pandemic hires. I don't think have really panned out.
2: I I mean, there were the pandemic TNT title shot guys like Eddie and Ricky Starks, but if you're talking about like pure and and Warhorse, don't
1: forget Warhorse.
2: I mean, that's a cody did did what did business the way that business needed to be done that night uh, and you're telling me that's not a national tv act <laughs> i don't
1: know i shouldn't mean the guy seems nice i just i there there was a moment where the war horse was being
2: talked about like he was fucking masawa it's like went yeah, back yeah, and it, it, a little bit everyone all of us thought we were being gaslit by that by the way <laughs> it's like, like
1: and like i'm from the midwest like i have friends in st louis and so the war horse took on a whole different meaning in this market. You know, really. <laughs> it's just like it's like all right, let's
2: back her down a little bit, guys. He's uh he's fine. I'm sure he's, he's, he's a nice bad. guy. he's fine. Uh the uh, the the world independent title though. Yeah, yeah. Uh the open the twin gate title match, we talked a lot about this. Uh, uh muscle team muscle, Koda Minora, Benkei, Kaito Kiyamia, Alejandro from Pro Wrestling Noah. As much as we want Benkei to go up and you know, really change things in pro wrestling. Noah, we see how this is going to go. And case, I guess the question I ask you is, does Alejandro lose by Golden Rose or does he lose by Spear?
1: I think he loses by Golden Rose. They seem to be really leading hard with menorah on this tag team, which I'm I'm fine with. I think that's a good move. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You know, this is a weird show where a lot of the matches, the results really aren't in doubt. Uh, Unless something truly shocking happens, you know, vibes will win in the opener he is going to win match number two i would assume m3k wins match number three we don't know the pairings for match number four
2: so that's a wash but it'll be the Ultima side
1: yeah <laughs> yes it will uh i would assume zebrats wins the triangle gate belts and i would assume gold class wins here the main event's really the only thing up in the air but yeah i would i would assume that menorah leads this that they have menorah win with the golden rose and i think this has potential to be a great match, even though, as I talked about uh, two weeks ago, I've never been a Kiyomiya guy, but if he was ever going to succeed for my likings, it would be this match.
2: Yeah, do we think that uh, Kota Minora has it in him to uh, pull an Okada on him? Because that's what we need for Kiyomiya. We need someone to basically make Kiyomiya look small, because that's when Kiyomiya looks great, when he gets pissed off, right? I feel like
1: Ben probably has the potential. I don't think Minora has that thing in him
2: uh, now that is a topic to file back who has the dog and who doesn't
1: yeah i don't think i don't think that's not that's not menorah's game but also mm-hmm. like it would be weird right because he's still younger than ben is i just i wouldn't i wouldn't draw it up to put him in that position whereas ben you know okay it's like he's seven years into his career you know he could, he could rough somebody up i think he has that car blanche but not menorah
2: I, I And Ben, you know, collegiate wrestler, you know, I mean, he has bona fides.
1: That's the scary thing is like if Ben wanted to do that Okada thing and just really rough
2: somebody up, that would
1: be a very scary situation.
2: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right about this.
1: Do you remember the the Triangle Gate match when Shimizu forgot his gear and it was like Shima, Gamma and Fuji versus
2: we are Team Pantaloons. Yes, yes. I remember that because I, I remember distinctly how much uh, Shimizu's nose blood.
1: Yeah, because that but that was that was Shimizu T-Hok, and Eita, I think, and not Mochi and Dragon Kid.
2: Oh, I'm thinking of a different one that he did. I was thinking about the one in his rookie phase where Shima really you Yeah, know, no, this def- was okay, yeah.
1: so this was Dangerous if, Gate twenty fifteen, yep. I think.
2: This is much I know which one you're talking about now. Yes, yes. Because
1: it was I remember this was like a fun twenty four hours. Cause remember Yoshino lost the Dreamgate belt?
2: Yeah, after Kobe World twenty fifteen, they lost the Dreamgate belt and one of uh, the Triangle Gates. Yeah. And then
1: Shimizu's this was like a thing where like going into Dangerous Gate, it was like, are they going to have a belt or not? It was a real conversation. And then they got the belt, but then Shimizu like left his year at the dojo, I think. So they were they were doing they was they were doing generational stuff at the time, because the, the July Corkin was all generational warfare and then they had Shimizu, t and Ata team up for the Triangle Gate belts against the veterans, and Shimizu forgot his gear, so it was like t in a weird phase of his career, Ata in a weird phase of his career, and then you, Shimizu was wearing, like, blue athletic compression shorts, basically. Yeah,
2: yeah the, the, this was zombie veterans, right? This was uh, I think Fuji that, that and Akakuzan Roke. Yeah,
1: I, I, I guess it, well, maybe it, it must have been. It must have been, I but I just remember they really roughed up shimizu in a way that was well we you know it goes full circle like i don't think that would happen in modern dragon gate where they just beat the shit out of shimizu the way that they did but they they made a mockery of him i mean they really taught him a lesson and and shimizu has not forgotten his gear since i guess lesson learned i'm not advocating they do that to kiyomiya but it would be really interesting if something like that happened because yeah. Kiyomi, you know, like it's like you know that's the fucked up part about his entire career is Kiyomiya is the ace of Noah, but he's going to come into Dragon Gate, and the Dragon Gate guys have a real chance to dominate him.
2: Yeah, and it's something where that this is like a payback thing, and he did get a good pop in Tokyo. Like I'm not anticipating like any sort of warm reaction for Kaito Kiyomiya.
1: I would say a shockingly good pop. I couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah, but I mean he had a good looking suit on man you could yeah, off of course 688
1: off. and noah Corkin today god yeah that was uh it's like a bad pandemic number
2: i was trying to find my snide remark i made earlier about that that seeing if i want to add that onto this uh yeah basically if you have to like use part of Corkin as your broadcast center then you've completely lost the, the plot you should stop promoting Match
1: five, Yoshinario Ogawa, Super Crazy, and Vinny Massaro versus Hayata, Ata, and Titus Alexander. <laughs> I gotta go back and watch that. I yeah. just—I missed that on the match listing at first. <laughs> but he's yeah. gonna
2: win this Dreamgate match.
1: Okay, I think Kakuta will win. I think Skywalker should win. And I hope to God Luis Monte does not win
2: my will and should are the same person. And that is the soon to be three time open the triangle gate or open the dream gate champion. Mike, gosh, Uh, the three time open the dream gate champion Shun Skywalker.
1: I really, really think they will do long-term damage to Luis Monte. If he wins the belt here, it is just kind of one of those things. You only get that first title in once. Don't force it. Don't make it weird. Don't have it be a fuck finish. Luis Monte will get his moment, and it needs to be one-on-one, and it needs to be against Shun Skywalker. And I really, really fear that they are going to do something too cute and ultimately too dumb, and they are going to hurt everybody in the process.
2: And that is the card for the final gate. It is the 24th Christmas Eve from Fukuoka International Center. That is not the last Dragon Gate show of the year. The final gate in Kobe Sambo Hall will be on the 26th as well. They never post a card about this until after uh, final gate. We'll talk about that when We'll probably roll these two shows together, right?
1: Well, are you free on the 29th to
2: record? Yes, I am.
1: Okay, well, we'll do a show on the 29th.
2: Yep, so we'll, we'll be back with you on the 29th to talk about that. However, there's a show on the 30th case that we... Have the time now to preview. We probably won't have the time on the 29th. Uh, Glate- no,
1: no, give people a week to to get that preview in. Let's let's uh, let's really
2: uh, let it simmer. Yeah, let it let's, let's let
1: it simmer. No, no, no. I'm saying let's do it now. But we'll yeah, we'll let right. that we'll let our preview simmer.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Glate version seven from Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, their big end of the year show. They have one more show in Osaka on Christmas Eve. 10 matches on this case, and let's just get into this. Do you, you want to go top-down or bottom-up? Uh, let's start with the main event. Uh, yeah, because this is where the meat is. Uh, for the G-Rex Championship, uh, T-Hawk make uh, his sixth title defense, trying to get himself another one of those little medals. He is the third champion. He's defending against Hayato Tamora. Tamora getting his second title shot after his loss at uh sumo hall at late version mega here really everything leading into this show uh i would say from the things that i've seen at the very least does feel like that this that they did the right call at least one of the shows was going to peak for uh tomorrow and uh, t hawk one would have hoped it would have been sumo hall but it looks like it's peaking here
1: have to give him credit. I think this has been a well-built main event. It feels like a big deal. It is the biggest match that they have, which that I guess can be looked at as a backhanded compliment. But is the guy. is over. Uh, he is somebody who, if I were in the Glate office, I would be doing everything I can to make him a quote-unquote guy. And they certainly have the potential to do so here. And I have to give Glate credit I I did a big catch-up today, and on the December 10th show, this was at uh, Shinjuku Face, T-Hawk and the Saito twins versus Chek Shimitani, Hyato Tamura, and Kazuma Sakamoto. Four stars. That is a notebook match that is well worth your time. You will not only get fired up about T-Hawk versus Tamura, you will once again realize, at least Mike and I did, that Chek Shimitani might be the most underrated man in all of wrestling.
2: Yeah, and the real magic about this match is the closing stretch with uh, T-Hawk and uh, Chuck. And really, the, the one thing that kind of entering this match makes me kind of want them to, you know, uh, just say not now for tomorrow is my own pers- personal selfishness that this is the most interesting T-Hawk has been his entire career. He's finally started to put together the kind of charisma that was expected of him a decade ago and he feels like a big major player champion something that never i i did not really feel like when he was in wrestle one like even though houses were popped there he would that this was not necessarily a tool in his tool belt it feels like more so in this run here that he's kind of really embodied this almost spiteful just better than you uh, champion role that really came to play in that six-man tag that It was like the meanest night ride I've ever seen happen in this. It was just like T-Hawk's now indignant and it's great. Well, that's the thing. Like you and
1: I have been watching T-Hawk for a decade and we've seen his entire career and we've seen the highs and the lows. And you and I specifically have covered him more intensely than anybody on the planet. T-Hawk does not excite us anymore, but if you're just like a guy watching this show – he still has the ability to turn it on and have really good matches. Like, the G-Rex run's been interesting. You know, I prefer what he did in Wrestle 1 to this, but the match that he won, the belt versus Shida, that was a great match. I didn't like the check match. I thought the Soma Watanabe match was just okay. I thought the Hayato Tamura-Sumo Hall match was okay. Love the Shuji Ishikawa match, and then I, I was really let down by the uh, the Masato Kinamiya, or, I'm sorry, Masato Kamino uh, title defense last month. But there's been good and bad in this T-Hawk reign, and a good T-Hawk singles matches is, is something special. You know, he doesn't always hit, but when he does, he hits at a high level. And I would think that this is a match that these guys can go out there and do something really special for. You know, I, my thing with Glade is always, you know, I don't feel like anything matters in this promotion. The guys aren't over, the units aren't over, the fans aren't there. But if Tamora beats T-Hawk, that's going to matter. That's something I can get invested in, and I really want to see it.
2: And I would say that with the way that T-Hawk has really carried himself and the way that Tamora is the only kind of person outside of the uh, former DG guys who really kind of pops a crowd here, I think you can get an opportunity of a really kind of cool, indignant Rudo t hawk versus a persevering Hayato-Tamora face match that I think... It's not that I think I have, like, overwhelming expectations for it. I think that it could be one of the most satisfying matches out of the two shows if they play it the way they could play it.
1: It's a credit to them. You know, last year, Lindemann versus Ashita at this show felt like a pretty big match, and I don't think they've had a match feel this big in 2023, but they're closing the year on their biggest show with their biggest match, and, and that is absolutely a testament to a uh, great booking. Good for them.
2: Semi-main event, G-Infinity Championship. The third champions, the Saito Twins, Jun and Ray from All Japan Pro Wrestling, the reigning Tokyo Sports Tag Team of the Year. Uh, defend against Soma Watanabe and Yuya Susumu. Yuya nominally of All Japan. Uh, interesting that uh, at least uh, we kind of talked about the Saito Twins last week. How have you feel? How have you felt about them and this environment? Because I have just off and on, it, it, it is one of the most like stop and goes, like okay, step forward, step back, like developments I've seen out of a tag team.
1: They're fine, you know. I get why some people are excited at their current incarnation. They're never going to be a team that I particularly enjoy. You know, I thought that like that six man tag I just recommended. They're in the match and they're good you know, almost in spite of themselves. I don't see this being a match that they're going to particularly thrive in. You know, they need to brawl. They need, I think, over opponents. And I don't think Susumu and Watanabe are those guys. I see this being a bad styles clash. Into my point just a minute ago about, you know, nothing in this promotion matters. Tamura beating T-Hawk could really matter. Soma Watanabe pinning one of the Saito twins for the tag belts. Look, it's nice on paper. It might get a nice pop in the building. It's not going to matter. And that is that is ultimately a hang-up I have here. I don't expect this match to be very good.
2: Nah, I have very low expectations of this one. Uh, and I just... They've really booked themselves kind of into a hole about the Saito twins. Like, to an extent of how are you going to get these belts off them? And what team are you going to build up to do that? That All Japan is going to be okay with you penning one of their attacking champions.
1: Yeah, it's tough. You know, I I almost wonder just for the sake of brand recognition if the Saito brothers are just better off holding these titles for a while.
2: Yeah, no, no, that's kind of the conclusion I've kind of come to until until really they have some some group that's really built up to do that. Uh, match eight is Takahiro Yamamura's return match. We have talked a lot about Takahiro Yamamura over the years on the program. He will be returning against his uh. Former over generation tag team partner Kaito Ishida. This was built up. Uh, Ishida defeated a high school friend of uh, Takahiro Yamamura, uh, Issei Onizuka, to get into this match. Here, it's just very hard for me to even pretend to be enthusiastic about Takahiro Yamamura returning to wrestling. It's it. it well, like I'm just being blunt about it, case. Like, no, I it, just... it's
1: it's a bad look and and as we've yeah. said a number of times but we'll say it again you and i are the last thing from the safety police but we've almost watched takahiro yamamura be paralyzed in a ring twice now it's not something i'm looking forward to possibly watching a third time
2: yeah and it is something where there has been like i guess lack of better words like this investment into yamamura by shima like throughout this and, and there's a responsibility to like i mean this this young man and he's still a young man like almost paralyzing himself twice and all of that like there is a onus of responsibility that i am happy exists there but the onus of responsibility does not end with you being okay with him returning to wrestling and no because
1: he's never he's never going to be healthy enough to be the ace of your promotion. That's just not the way his body is built. It will give out on him eventually. So what, you know, you're you're doing this to, I guess, bring in lapsed over-generation fans, which is fine. I, I guarantee there are Yamamura fans that haven't been to a wrestling show since he got hurt in Wrestle 1 four years ago. I, I fully believe there is a a small audience, but an audience, nonetheless, out there for that. But it's just, you know, what's what's the point of all this? You know, it feels very desperate to me. It almost feels mean spirited. I'm sure Yamamoto is thrilled to be back in the ring, but it's not something that I uh, am into in any way, shape or form. And I also, and I'll, I'll let you speak on Yamamoto in just a second, but I also want to bring up the fact that Kaito Ishida, when he came into glade, that felt like a real steal, you know, that felt like a big deal. And man, a year later, I am kind of just amazed at how he comes across as just another guy on the screen in this promotion.
2: Well, he's gone from someone being a presence and being presence to like a degree of, oh, it felt like at a point that, okay, you get the belt onto him and let's see where this goes. You had the shininess of Black Generation International there with all the people from Big Lucha coming in through this. Like you had like the appearance of like, okay you can get behind this and everything since he basically won the lost the belt in this building a year ago since has been and, and it's not just him it's just been a waste it, and it's not just been great it's just is he really like a pro wrestler like a, he's not a full-time pro wrestler like that's for sure and i don't think anyone can say 18 months ago that this is the best result for him
1: no no it, you know it's You know, his debut, so that was October 2022. His debut felt so hot. And then, remember, they turned him heel in November. Like, they did that angle that just... Yeah, he did it on
2: Cosma immediately.
1: It didn't get over at all. And it was kind of, like, there are those shows every once in a while. And it's so interesting when it happens. Just the universal, like, ooh, that's, uh that that wasn't it and that was the feeling on that november corkin show last year was just like oh they had something and they lost it and he won the belt and he won the belt in a stupid way i'll never agree with what they did with he and Lindemann. even if both of those matches felt big it was just far too complicated to get there there was no reason for it and when t-hawk beat him it like it almost felt like they were writing him off where it's just like you know he doesn't have a unit that's that means anything i i think they they made a real mistake saddling a guy with no ties to mexico in a style that very clearly isn't lucha influenced to put him with a bunch of luchadors now the guys they've got around him i don't know if they compliment him to any sort of real degree and it just felt like after he lost the belt that he just became another not over guy on a on a roster of not over guys they really i think made a grave mistake with him because he could have been a difference maker
2: yeah, and especially in this promotion that essentially is based in four cities, uh Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya occasionally, but then they also do Sapporo. Like it it really is not a touring company, but he was a Osaka native where we have seen in the past the other side of the divide use them very effectively in his hometown. And you just they essentially found a way. I don't know if it's like some slight or like now you're on our side, but it took you a while. So you have all this shit to kind of pile out of, but it felt almost mean spirited. Like, I,
1: I don't know. You know, look,
2: am I wrong won, I he,
1: in that case? Well, I, look, it's tough because he won the belt in Osaka, and that was one of the last attendance restricted shows. 500 was considered a sellout in Osaka, number two. They did 500 people there. I think I read that the Osaka number two show they have for January is already sold out at what I'd like to know at what capacity, but I, you know, tickets are allegedly moving very well for that show. Maybe, maybe they're onto something more than I realize. I don't know. I just, this guy does not jump off the screen to me in any way, and I would argue from 2018 through october of 2022 or maybe april of 2023 if you want to set the timeline of when he lost the belt he always popped off the screen but not not anymore he looks like a shell of his former self
2: yeah it's just something where it, it, like i just go look and look at the three that were left around him like yes him and kotaro suzuki that kind of works but harley jackson kichi side though just it just feels almost deliberate in a way
1: and maybe Uh, look maybe if you're into this you disagree because it's like oh well ashita's doing like a program like he's in a feud i'm not into the feud so it means even less to me but i still i feel like ashita used to come across like a star i don't feel like he comes across like a star anymore
2: no he kind of and weirdly lately comes across how he did like the last few months of his time in dragon gate Bored. yep uh lidette uwf world championship match on paper, this is second champion Hayato Jr. Fujita of Michinoku Pro defending against Minoru Tanaka, who won a title tournament. Recently, it was announced that uh, Hayato uh, uh, Jr. Fujita has had a reoccurrence of cancer. It, it, it's, that's right. Like, that, that, that is what was announced, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's come out of remission, and it, he canceled all shows except for he's still listed on this one, it seems, but... I can't see this match happening.
1: No, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here. Uh, the situation sucks. Robert. It's awful. Yeah. Robert uh, Numbers, who post a lot of the Puro shows that aren't behind a paywall, but on are on like Nico Nico, he tweeted out an article recently before the news came out about Fujita and all of the struggles that he's still going through and just how hard it is for him to wrestle. And it was heartbreaking. It was a really terrible read. And then the the news came out earlier this month that that he is sick again. So it, it's an it's an awful situation. We send him our best. And it's a it's a shame on a selfish level because he was, to me, one of the twenty five best wrestlers in the world this year. And uh to see him step away from the ring and to know that it's it's once again because his health is failing him is really, really sad.
2: Yeah, like that's really like I, I don't have anything else I could add to it. It's just really sad and it kind of made me feel a little bit more angry that he was not uh, celebrated at tokyo sports last week that's a very good point elsewhere in the Ladette uwf we have a double bout case uh maya fakuda and aew Sakaroshita will be going against the anaba sisters both of JTO case what how do you feel about maya fakuda
1: oh god i mean what can't i say about maya fakuda i i is she the sister of Toriyama alum bear fakuda
2: I am not aware of this. I think she was a part of Actress Girls at one point. But oh, decided... oh,
1: oh, why didn't you say that?
2: I, I, I'm i sorry. I forgot how much of a fan you were of Actress Girls. I apologize. I love
1: all the girls.
2: Yeah, and especially the actresses.
1: Oh, they're my favorite part.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere in the uh, I, I like this time that they do the uwf stuff right in the middle of the card case like we can't avoid oh, it
1: guys i can't fucking miss it can i <laughs> well, i really want to review this show for voices of wrestling and i'm just like oh god i gotta sit through these two matches maybe not
2: three matches as tatsui Izu- izuchi your boy going up against Aiki riki uh aitaka uh listed of abushi pros Is this one of the people that kota abushi was allegedly training or something. it
1: must be because it's his debut match,
2: yeah, uh don't know a single thing I apologize i'm not I'm not going to like feign knowledge of this guy uh Izuchi though case uh your guy, how have you felt about him since the downfall of sixty seconds, the Lords of a minute
1: you know i watch I normally skip all the UWF stuff I watched Izuchi versus Minoru Tanaka from the 12 ten show, which was UWF rules, and it made me realize I still think all the UWF stuff is a waste of time, so I look forward to him doing it again.
2: Yeah, it, it's something where I have, like, a candle still for Minoru Tanaka in 2023. I know. I know. That's insane. Part of that is, that I think, his interest music rules, and he comes out looking like a badass with a water bottle. But that match, oof, it was rough. I was just not into yes. it whatsoever. Uh, match four, uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and Czech Shimitani, our personal tag team of Glade, they are our personal G-Infinity champions, going against SBK and Takuma.
1: I said this when the match was announced, there's a chance this match is awesome and it reminds us all why we love Kento and Takuma. I am really worried it's going to suck. You know, a reoccurring theme I see uh, with Kento and Takuma, whether it's their work in Mexico or even their debut match in Glate, is they've decided to work all of these unstructured tag team matches where it's just a lot of, granted cool spots, but just a lot of spots. And I, I could see this match going south very quickly. I, I'm rooting for them in the sense that I want it to be a good match. You know, I always want check to look good. But I think a lot of people have a really high expectation for this match. And I don't. Now, I could very easily be wrong and two weeks from now we talk about how, you know, four and a half stars. Hey, remember Takuma Fujiwara and all the potential he had? I, I get it. That's a real possibility. But I don't, it, kento and takuma outside of the dragon universe they don't have the polish that they once did
2: and it's kind of the polish has kind of grown away to like such a degree that the stuff i've enjoyed them more so was like the riot lucha tag where like it felt like the polish the lot the lack of polish actually worked in that that kind of thing like it's because i was radioactivo and i'm blanking on the other person in it but it, it, I don't mean lack of polish in, like, a bad way. It just, it felt like it fit the vibe there. They were more in their element. I enjoyed that much more than the match that they had against uh Elendima and Tomura.
1: Yeah, that was a strange match. I still, like, I gave that four, and I, I still don't know if I like that match or not. But, it, you know, look, I I, I know there's the uh, a theory that I don't like Kento Takuma anymore because they left Gate. I don't, I, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care about that. I don't work for Dragon, I don't give a shit. But... Uh, I do think there's a noticeable difference in the way that they present themselves outside of Dragon Gate. And I do think the way they present themselves is far less interesting than what they were doing in Dragon Gate. So I remain skeptical that this will be a great match. And honestly, I hope I'm wrong.
2: I I mean, I'll take it to another level. They look no longer like professional wrestlers.
1: No, the the Takuma thing is quite odd. (laughs) It it is something
2: that their looks and how they have changed and, I don't know if some of it is instruction. Some of it is just kind of feeling things out there. It's not been a positive. No, step.
1: it does feel identity crisisy.
2: Yeah. And it's something that it is something where like, I don't really have a- any sort of compulsion about what they do now. Like, like it's a bummer. Like, I, like what all we said over the summer about them. Like, I hope it all works out. But if you look at how they are, as they're presented now, to even ten months ago, so still under before all the, uh, the, the everything went down. Case ten months ago, like you look at how they were even presented in Mexico, like appearance wise, like taking care of themselves, like in this way. Like at a certain point, I'm like, guys, uh is someone? Did you not have someone like saying like, no, don't bleach your hair and stop tanning? No, I don't. I
1: I mean, the last update I heard on their situation.
2: I would say no, they don't have somebody telling them that, yeah, and it's something where that this is the match that has the highest uh has the highest ceiling. like I feel like that if if we walked away, like as you're saying and we walk away from the show and it's like a four and three quarter stars match, is we will be surprised, but we're not going to be shocked.
1: Look, a year ago at this time, I was sending emails in the Fighting Spirit 50 voting, uh, 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 voters, or voting thread email, passionately defending the inclusion of Takuma Fujiwara as one of the 50 best wrestlers on earth. And that was his rookie year. I I love the guy. I thought he was going to be a future Dreamgate champion. I still think he has all the potential in the world, but I just haven't seen it. And the the presentation. And some of the entering choices they've made remain, uh, leads me to remain skeptical, but we'll see. Again, I'd be happy to be wrong. I hope this match kicks ass, but I would encourage people to adjust their expectations.
2: Michiko, uh, teams of Yukari Hoshikawa versus Sayaki Unagi and Aoi from G- JTO. We are already starting to see, uh, Diamond egotus kind of fall apart after, uh, Ali defeats michiko earlier this month case how are you feeling about like, the newest unit is not doing well right oh now. man you know it's hard what can you say what can you say uh match two: kaz hayashi l Lindemann, and Issei Onizuka versus aew's colt cabana brian cutler brandon cutler and they're debuting uh Kurushio, tokyo japan
1: I'd really like to get to the bottom of how Cabana and Cutler got this booking. I don't know the story, and I'd really like to.
2: I, is this like, oh, hey, we remember that we had Stronghearts under contract. This is their company now. Let's go send some guys. I, none of it makes sense. Like, the, Cabana was a DDT guy,
1: and before that, a Noah guy.
2: Right, yeah. And You know, it's not like
1: he has a tie-in with Stronghearts.
2: Yeah, and at least with Cutler, you can say, okay, the Elite, the... Uh, believed to be uh, elite versus strong hearts owe japan show idea like there was like a thread there but that's four years ago and two companies in a different world from where we are now i i don't i don't get it it's an undercard
1: match it'll be harmless but man am i confused by it
2: and we're opening with uh, I, I need to pull up their poster case because they had like a, the, the one thing is that Glate does that's frustrating, but also pretty cool is their uh, posters and the way they threw things on Twitter. But it is a four man. It's a four way six man tag. Uh, it is the teams of black generation international Katara Suzuki, Harley Jackson, Kichi Sato versus June Toncho, JD Lee and Atsuki Ayuagi versus Takanori ito yosuke kadama and tomoyaki hanma versus ryuchi kawakami giant storm or quiet storm and Galindo del mall uh four-way six-man tag it's uh happening in glade it's it's i know a lot of people are going like oh shima's bringing the four-way six-man tag back and i'm just sitting here going like uh if this is what's the modern variation is i'm okay with it not happening as much anymore
1: I don't get why they've backed off of Galeno Del mall the way that they have.
2: I mean, maybe maybe it's bookings. Maybe they can't get him.
1: Yeah, book. I guess. I mean, again, I did a pretty big catch up today and it's just like, you know, they had him and dice case Sakamoto on the twelve ten show together and they put them in a battle Royal. And I was just like, you guys, you guys could have done one thing. Interesting. You know, you could have done a, like a cool tag match with Del all and Sakamoto together. And right, this is, yeah. I mean, I hadn't even put that together that it's the, the four way six man tag match. It's opening the show, which is very odd. And it's all the leftover guys. So it doesn't feel like a shot across the bow, uh, perhaps in the way that Glate was hoping that it would.
2: Yeah, I, like it, it's not a I, I, I just can't even put myself in like the mindset to imagine it like a historical three way or four way other than the fact that it is three or four teams going against each other.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if they're billing it as such if they are if they're trying to make that point, but it it doesn't come across that way if they're trying to.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it is something where Tomoki Hanma just basically now works Glate. Like, oh god, I, it, I yeah.
1: I, 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 look, I, I he he doesn't move around much better than Yamamura. Uh, it's uh, it's frightening.
2: Yeah, he yeah, that's that's true, and that is uh, Glate version seven uh, from Tokyo Dome City Hall on the thirtieth. Uh, Glate does have one other show on the twenty fourth from. Osaka, uh the only thing really worth noting on that one case, uh, Kazuma Sakamoto's 20th anniversary match. It is Kazma teaming with Taka Michinoku versus Yoshiaki Fujiwa. I oh, mean, no, sorry, Tatsumi Fujinami and Kaz uh and-, and Kaz Hayashi.
1: Yeah, you know, congrats on Sakamoto. I've yeah. I've said on this show many times, I think he has one of the most interesting careers in in all of wrestling, and he seemingly can can work anywhere and do anything and get over. That show, unfortunately, uh, not looking great on paper.
2: Yeah, uh, your main event on that show is Shima, uh, T-Hawk, L-Lindaman, L-Tress of uh, Stronghearts versus uh, Tamora Kawakami and Chuck Shimatani. And, uh,
1: and that might be that might be fine. The rest of it doesn't light my world on fire. You know, look, we've gone way over. I have to go in just a second. But you know what I realized today about Glate? What is that? Shikihira Irie nowhere to be found.
2: Yeah, like he, uh, it, like he, like appeared like on a couple of the uh, Tokyo shows, but not on this one. Like, no, he always... I don't think
1: he's worked late since the Sumo Hall show. I could be, but around that time period, I could be wrong. But it's since the summer,
2: right? Yeah, it does definitely feel like coincidentally when Issei Onizuka left Strong Hearts was around the time that Irie stopped game booked. Yeah, I, just, I would just much like the cabana cutler situation i'd like to know more about
1: that i'd like to know what happened
2: <laughs> i am with you on that buddy well we are massively over time this is like the longest episode i feel like we've done is since uh, kobe world i was but not expecting it
1: i will say that much I've, I've had a delightful time i thought this was a very good episode was not expecting it to go this
2: long nope neither was i but that's going to do it for us here we'll be back with you all next week talking about final gate uh case i hope you have a nice holiday
1: yeah merry christmas to everybody listening i i really appreciate that as many people uh listen to the show as they do and that they seem to really enjoy it which always blows my mind and makes me really happy
2: absolutely and we hope that everyone has a great holiday and we'll be back with you next week so you could follow us on twitter at open voice gate cases at underscore in your case i'm at fuji hey thanks for listening to open the voice gate we'll be back with you next week
0: So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it.